Good evening, everybody. I uh, hope people can hear me. Welcome to another episode of the Fred Hampton Inn Suites. It is I, Joe Byron, back to guide you through the uh, perilous waters of uh, authoritarian shit and mud and, and, and just crap. It's just a lot of crap going on. Um, been a while since the last episode, a couple of weeks, been taking some time off, um, thinking about some things, uh, actually looking for a bit of a change career-wise, but don't tell anybody. Um, it just seems weird. I mean, look, to continue at a certain point, yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 I know a lot of you are feeling the same way that I feel, or at least very similar, you know, this idea that, um, uh, the world could basically end at any moment, <laughs> or at least this idea that I have in, been feeling that, um, with it, it becomes a little hard to care about stuff like, uh, I don't know manufacturing agreements or uh, any kind of just normal corporate job stuff when we are being inundated with uh, images and uh, with the knowledge that our tax dollars are going to work to fund directly what is a uh, a modern genocide i think it's safe to say that at this point um if one percent of your entire population has been uh you know if they've been uh killed i i think that qualifies or we're we're getting there and look, look who the term is not as important the fact of the matter is that this is what we're funding this is what our government is doing, and I'm sorry if I'm having a hard time caring about uh, making money or, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, just contract law. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you feel the same way with your jobs or whatever you're doing. It's, it's you know, it's a weird time. It's a weird time, and we we are um, at least my heart is uh, with the people in Palestine, uh, in the Gaza Strip, who are uh, just dealing with with completely unbelievable circumstances. Um, so, on that happy note, let's uh, let's talk more about it. <laughs> um. Again, I apologize for the lack of episodes in the last couple of uh, weeks. I've just, you know, when it, it, it's hard to pretend like you have something to talk about when you really don't. Um, there are a lot of people out there who are doing a lot better work than I am on this subject. There are a lot of people who are much better reporters than I'll ever be, who are, uh, you know, there are brave people who are in the Gaza Strip right now who are reporting on everything that's been going on, who are coming out with images and, and, and writings, just everything, just to, to keep people informed. And uh, I will say that everything that I say here, just know that I defer first and foremost uh, to them. 
to the people who are actually on the ground, to the people who are uh, dedicating their lives to trying to give people accurate information. Um, those are the people I've been listening to. And it seems a little silly sometimes to try to talk about something that I am learning about and that I have no real direct uh, history with. You know, I'm ashamed to say, but before, if I'm being completely honest, before shit really popped off on October 7th and then the the response from Israel that's been uh, cataclysmic, I was of the opinion that, especially with just whether I was doing a show or something that, well, I don't really need to talk about Gaza. I don't really need to talk about these things. It's partially, it's, it's just a, it's a, uh, it's a mess. The situation over there is so messy and I just, I don't have the confidence to really go in and, and figure this stuff out for myself. And I should just stay quiet and stay out of it and just know that people deserve liberation broadly. But I did not, understand the conditions that uh, people in Gaza were living under. I did not understand how it literally is an opening, an open air prison. I did not know anything about the March of Return. I did not know anything about the first and second uh, uh, Nakba. I did not know anything about the Balfour Declaration or just any of that history. And honestly, I think that excuse that I was telling myself is uh, kind of a bullshit one because the more I've looked into it, even without having to know, even knowing I don't know very much, um, the situation over there, uh, at least since 1997 or so, has been pretty damn one-sided. Uh, it It's difficult to call it anything but sort of uh, kind of how Norman Finkelstein has been calling it, honestly. Um, a human rights catastrophe, a a uh, failure of uh, you know a failure of 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 justice, a miscarriage of justice, and I think partially part of the reason why I just did not have confidence in my ability to speak about this is because, um, you know, the information that we're fed in this country is so, or at least it, it traditionally for a, a while now has been so um, so much more based in, in, in propaganda than it is in fact. There is a clear agenda that our, uh, you know, it, it, the, the, our nation has had, that our government has had, that our leadership has had, and that groups like APAC and other lobbyists have had to shape a... Uh, an idea of this narrative or to, to shape a narrative that makes us believe that uh, the situation is more complicated than it is. And um, it's, you know, to the extent that there was any sort of lobbying or that there's been a lot of that lobbying work done to kind of shape the message here and to shape our perceptions of it. Uh, Israel is doing a fantastic job of destroying any credibility that it had. Um, you cannot look at the images that are coming out of Gaza, uh, look at the stories, look at the, 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 the level of destruction and the disparity in the response from Israel 
and look at that and feel good about it. And if you feel good about it and you feel like it's justified, uh, I hate to tell you, but your, your heart has been uh, in a large part poisoned. I don't know how else to say it. You're losing touch with your humanity. If you can look at all of that and say, that's great, I'm just letting you know, just to be honest with you, you're you're kind of a, a, a weirdo. And I mean that in the way of like, you're losing the things that make you human. Because no one who is a normal person, no normie is looking at that and saying, yeah, that's great. No, it's, it's, it's disgusting. And you know, they're, they're, they're kids who are being slaughtered. They're, they're literally children, innocent children. And it should go without saying, but if you're in a place where in your mind, killing innocent children is a good thing, you're probably off the deep end. And I don't know if you can come back. But it's cutting through a lot of the propaganda, uh, these images and what's happening. And what you're seeing in response is um, probably best described as a hard, um, you know, a hard turn towards more authoritarianism. Uh, It's it's not. It is a, um, you know, I'm not saying that there hasn't been sort of an authoritarian bent in the messaging that we've been receiving in this country for a long time. Uh, looking back on Afghanistan and, and uh, you know, just the response to 9-11, when you see a lot of the news stories that were coming out, how the media was crafting and already sort of putting together this narrative that was pro-war, pro-invasion, uh, that propaganda has always been a part of America. It's always been a part of uh, a lot of just nations in how they try to shape narratives and shape the public opinion. But it's getting more and more blatant because the, uh, or at least the methods of these sort of authoritarian control and this messaging is becoming more and more blatant uh, because the situation is becoming more and more dire and harder for them to hide. So I want to talk about why we're seeing this uh, rise in sort of authoritarian responses in this sort of outright um, attempt to shut down certain opinions, to stop people from protesting, to stop people from dissenting and and letting their voices be heard uh, in a way that uh, criticizes the Israel's actions in Gaza. I, I want to talk about that more, but I, I, I want to start first with just, you know, it's probably most of you already know this, but really getting into the state of things now. What's going on in, or what, what is Israel's government doing now? What, what is the IDF, what is their army doing now that we're, is it already 60 days, 60 days into this thing plus? So about two months into this. So uh, multiple reports of the casualties. Let's just start there. And I, I hate putting casualties as just a number because you have to remember, as I've said before, every single life 
that is, or casualty that is suffered, every life that is lost or person that is injured in a catastrophic way has a, an enormous effect, not just on the person who that happens to, but everyone they've ever been connected with, everyone who is in their life. You know, I, I have a friend who got into a motorcycle accident and uh, suffered traumatic brain injury and his family, you know, now has to care for him, take him to all these appointments. It's been 20 years since his accident and he is, uh, you know, uh, he's still, he'll never be back to the way he is. And that family has changed forever. So when we talk about these numbers, just remember that we're talking about entire universes for people. We're talking about their everything. Uh, so Corin did reports, this is from, uh, oh, I always forget how to say Reuters or Rudders. Um, but at least, this is at least, and this is a conservative number, we'll get into other ones, but at least 16,015. 16,015 Palestinians have been killed since uh, October 7th. And aid agencies warned that a humanitarian disaster in Gaza is worsening by the hour with most of its 2.3 million people homeless and trapped in a tiny embattled coastal enclave with little food, water, medical care, fuel, or secure shelter. And again, that's from Reuters. Um, that is a very conservative estimate. Uh, these numbers, though, have not been uh, the Palestinian or the Israeli authorities have also said that these uh, these numbers that have been given by the Palestinian authorities are more or less right. So they're not even contesting these numbers. So, you know, when you saw Joe Biden questioning those numbers, um, Israel's not questioning the numbers. So maybe Joe Biden should shut the fuck up. Uh, pardon my French, but. Uh, so there's there's a, uh, you know, as far as the breakdown of those 16,015 casualties, uh, they're saying, uh, this is again from that same report in Reuters, that at least, I believe, let me, let me see here. I believe it's 4,000 children, but that seems low. Let me make sure. No, they say, they're saying that 70% of that number is women and children. So 70% of that 16,000 are women and children. But again, that's one report. Other reports have that number much higher. There are reports of uh, thousands of people being stuck in the rubble. I mean, nothing I'm saying should be a surprise to anyone who's been following the news. You know, these are just numbers that are not really being disputed at this point. Now, the Euromed monitor, uh, as of December 6th, so as of today, uh, brings the total number of Palestinian deaths in the Gaza Strip since October 7th to 21,731. So about 5,000 more, which includes 8,697 children and 4,410 women. And then those who are missing and trapped under the rubble, 
uh, are who are now presumed dead are also being included in that number. Uh, and then 4,016 injured people as well. So again, that's 21,000 some odd, 21,731 lives that have been forever altered. Um, and not even just their lives, but everyone who their lives were touching. So we just got out of this ceasefire period where there were prisoners that were being exchanged. Hamas let some prisoners go. Uh, those hostages are all seem to be the ones who have been released anyway in good health. Uh, I'm not one to sort of justify taking of hostages or anything like that, but I will say uh, there haven't been very many reports yet from these hostages coming out that really allege a lot of mistreatment. None that I've seen directly from the hostages. Now, I could be wrong about that. There could be some other reports, but for the most part, the general consensus seems to be that these people were, you know, they ate what Hamas was eating. They were, for the most part, taken care of in their home. Uh, it wasn't the same with the hostages who were coming from Israel. Uh, a lot of injuries, a lot of claims of abuse, sexual abuse and rape. Um, but again, there was a ceasefire for five days. It's a temporary thing. That ceasefire has ended, and according to all the reports that I've been reading so far, Israel's efforts to uh, sort of engage in collective punishment, to, to continue bombing Hamas, not Hamas, but, but, you know, under the guise of bombing Hamas, but their attacks on civilians, again, have increased to even greater levels. They're bombing at higher rates than they were even prior to this ceasefire. So you will recall that the when the Israel first started with its airstrikes, they were bombing the north. They were saying everybody has to go to the uh, you know the south. That's where you'll be safe. They were giving everyone 24 hours to evacuate to the south. Now, we've talked about how that's basically impossible to move millions of people who are in the north all to the south within the span of 24 hours uh, is, is ridiculous. It's impossible. Uh, yet that's what Israel had demanded. And then they began bombing the north, telling everyone to go south. Well, as Israel's re... Um, uh, has started up with their bombings again, they're now bombing the areas in the south where they told the Palestinian people to evacuate to. So there are reports, this is a report from the Times of uh, Israel, which is, uh, there's some from the Times of Israel and there's from, some from uh, Al Jazeera. But the Times of Israel is reporting that uh, Israel has begun bombing uh, the city of Khan. Oh, let me find this again. I apologize, but um, let me see. 
just so I make sure I have the yeah, Khan Yunus. I, I believe is how you say it. Um, and Israel has declared Khan Yunus a dangerous combat zone. Okay, this is one of the biggest cities in the south of Gaza. Uh, according to Al Jazeera, it's the second largest city and home to 430,000 people. And it's in the south where they told the Palestinians to flee to. Uh, multiple reports of just massive airstrikes there. If you see some of the videos, the devastation is uh, it's haunting. I mean, it's it's a it's entire city that's basically been bombed out. Uh, entire blocks of this city, entire areas, residential areas, all under the guise that they're fighting Hamas. The UN, according to the Times of Israel, is saying that 80% of the population is displaced. 80%. So we're talking about, you know, as a, not just, <laughs> we're not just talking the deaths, right? We're talking... of a population being displaced. Imagine if 80% of your, whatever town that you're living in was suddenly homeless. Like that. Imagine what kind of effects that would have on you and your family, on your community, on your ability to get by, on, 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 on everything. You know, losing your home is one of the worst things that can happen to you. It's, 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 it's devastating. Uh, ask, you know, talk to anyone who's ever lived on the streets for any amount of time. Uh, we're talking 8% of the population that's been displaced. Uh, Israeli troops are engaging in heavy fighting in the Gaza Strip. They say that they're fighting Hamas. And this is a very cute report from the uh, Times of Israel by Emmanuel Fabian and uh, their their Times of Israel staff. But they're saying they're engaging in heavy fighting with Hamas operatives in the Gaza Strip throughout tonight, uh, throughout Tuesday night and into Wednesday morning, while striving to minimize damage done to civilians and civilian infrastructure in the overcrowded southern part of the coastal enclave. Give me a break. Trying to, if, if this is them trying to minimize damage done to civilians and civilian infrastructure. Just look at the pictures, people. Believe your lying eyes. Um, that's like Rachel Dolezal is doing a better job of trying to be black than they're doing of trying to be, uh, to minimize the damage done to civilians and the infrastructure. It is, you know, how do you, it's, it, it shouldn't be that hard to not kill kids. Um, it's, it's a bullshit excuse. Uh, and, 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 and Israel's publishing this sort of, uh, this map of all of Gaza with something like a hundred some odd zones. And they're going to be bombing each zone. Like, uh, it's like one of those pictures you see, uh, in a coloring book, like paint by colors or paint by numbers, where every number you painted a different color and then the picture comes out. Well, Israel's creating a map or they've created a map where they're going to tell people in Palestine to evacuate to, to each numbered zone, which will be a safe zone for a little bit. It, this is literally, by the way, this is literally part of the plot of the Hunger Games 
where there are different zones where the the people, uh, the combatants, uh, for those of you who don't know the Hunger Games, it's basically like a battle royale. They put a bunch of kids into a game show, into an arena where they all have to kill each other until the last person standing wins. And part of that is, well, there are different zones in that arena where they're safe or they're not safe, or you're killed or you're not killed. This is literally what Israel's doing to the Palestinians right now in the Gaza Strip. Um, and again, it's this is the UN saying that 80% of the population is displaced. So they're homeless, functionally. Uh, I won't spend too much more time on this because for the most part, I think most people listening to this know uh, the, the, the extent of the devastation that's been going on. And they are keeping informed in other ways by people who are much better at this than I am. But what I will say is that things are getting worse in Palestine for the Palestinians. Uh, and amid the public outcry, which there's been plenty of public outcry, don't get me wrong, uh, but amid this public outcry, we're seeing more and more steps being taken by those in power to quell dissent and force people to accept that Israel's perpetrating and America's funding uh, war crimes, an ethnic cleansing, a genocide. And I do want to talk a little bit about the dissent, the people who are dissent out there in the streets protesting around the world. They are, um, you know, as as they're brave. You know, they are they they do not want genocide to be funded with their tax dollars. You see a lot of uh, people in America who are standing up, who are going to protest, who are speaking out, who are signing petitions. All of these things matter. And we'll talk more about why they matter in a bit. But they really matter. Don't let people fool you into thinking that these are just symbolic acts. These are, these are ways to create internal pressure. But again, we'll talk more about that later. Um, I want to give a special shout out to... Um, People, a lot of Jewish people and groups who are opposing Israel, who are making it very, very clear that uh, not only are they members of, uh, not only are they Jewish people, but that Zionism is not anti-Semitic and that Zionism, or is that, that being anti-Zionist is not being anti-Semitic and that um, they're criticizing Netanyahu and the, his government and making it known very clearly that you will not do this in our name. Um, and there's a couple of groups, the, the Torah Jews or Ju Torah Judaism, uh, as they call themselves on, on Twitter, uh, huge group uh, of anti-Zionist Jews who are out marching. They're holding Palestinian flags. They're, they're calling, demanding for a ceasefire. Uh, I, I thank you. Uh, thank you for doing that. And then the uh, I always get the name uh, wrong. It's the Jews against or the Jewish group for peace. What is it? Jews for peace. 
let me Jewish Voice for Peace, uh, another organization that's been out there uh, calling for a permanent ceasefire. And that's what needs to happen is a permanent ceasefire. None of this five day bullshit, because we've seen what happens when you give five days of rest. Uh, Israel is coming back trying to make up for all the deaths they couldn't get in those five days. So there is a lot of dissent that's going on. And what we're seeing, though, is uh, increasing, I guess, the response to that dissent are increasing methods, laws, uh, initiatives from Israel and from America and from a lot of different governments to crack down on the ability to voice that dissent, to silence these people and to make them into pariahs. Uh, Germany had passed laws that were banning the uh, waving of the Palestinian flag. Germany was doing that. Uh, France was for, I guess for a while had um, initially uh, punished people and made it illegal for people to protest in support of Palestine for the Palestinians. They made it illegal to, I believe, to carry the flag. Uh, in America, too, we're seeing crazy things happen. I mean, Congress today, I believe it passed today, but this is from initially reporting from Ryan Grimm, who uh, has been doing some great reporting uh, throughout this this entire uh, just tragic sort of set of situation or tragic situation. Um, but he talks about a new house resolution, which may be voted on as early tonight. And it's my understanding it was voted on tonight and the resolution passed, which clearly and firmly states that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. So anti-nationalist, uh, the, 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 the idea of Zionism, I mean, I shouldn't, I don't need to explain this, but I will. But the idea of Zionism being a Jewish homeland for Jewish people, a Jewish state for Jewish people, and only Jewish people. It's a nationalist identity. It's a nationalist ideology and an ethnic, an ethnically nationalist. It's an ethnostate is what they're trying to put together. So the idea in and of itself is a, uh, a bit of a racist, a bit of a... Uh, uh, really exclusionary idea. It's not one that really uh, has a lot of, you know, that, that, that has the Palestinians in mind. And here's our own Congress, our own House, that voted to confirm that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. Now, you'll recall Jewish Voices for Peace and the Torah Jews are Jewish anti-Semites now, according to this, according to this resolution. The, the actions that they're doing are now being called anti-Semitic, which is ridiculous. But that's been passed in the House, just a resolution uh, with a lot of bipartisan support and a lot of people voting present and not very many people voting no, because a lot of people are, let's, let's be clear, they're, they're, uh, they're cowards. They're, they're cowards or they're, they've drunk too much of this Kool-Aid. 
and it's not just these resolutions that are passing. I think what is what is bothering me even more, some of the response that's happening in Israel. Holy shit. Um, some of these Torah Jews, these Jews who are against Zionism, who are brave and speaking out for the rights of people, for Palestinian people who are being murdered, for the children who are being slaughtered, for the lives that are being lost and the, the destruction that's being done. Uh, some of these Torah Jews were apparently demonstrating in Israel, and there's videos of these Israeli police beating the shit out of them. So these are people who are posting about wanting peace in Israel. That's a peace and a permanent ceasefire. That's what they're calling for. They're calling for humanity. And they're getting the shit kicked out of them by Israeli police, by, you know, government forces who are claiming a Jewish homeland for the Jewish people. They don't give a shit about the Jewish people if you're, if you, that's your concern. These people who are, they're literally like Torah. They're, 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 you see them, they're wearing the traditional, um, you know, the, the, uh, I don't know what they call the kind of traditional kind of uh, outfit, but that's, they're wearing that. And here they are getting beaten in the streets. Israel's passing, uh, I have to find a source on this because I can't remember where I saw this, but there were laws being passed in Israel. If I remember correctly, please someone correct me if I'm wrong on this, but there were laws being passed in Israel to basically make it uh, a crime to speak for a ceasefire in Gaza. There are people, now I do know this, there have been multiple stories and examples of people who have posted very uh, mild criticisms of Israel on their Facebook uh, pages or social media who have been punished, fired from their jobs, imprisoned, you know, arrested, even beaten for saying things as, as small as like, I agree for all the death that's happening right now. You're not even allowed to grieve for innocent lives in Israel. You know, that is, that's pretty hardcore fascist, just straight up, right? And it's this sort of naked authoritarianism, which we're starting to see more and more of. Even when we look at the propaganda that's coming out of Israel and the pro-Israel propaganda, it's getting worse and worse. It's complete bullshit. The you have stories now that have circulated. You know, when when when, when all when things started to go down, you heard a lot about Hamas's raping and killing people, or raping and beheading babies, or whatever you know, raping women, beheading babies, whatever it was. And there wasn't a lot of, you know, look, that's not a far-fetched idea that happened, you know, when, when people are being killed and taken hostage or whatever. But the lack of evidence to support those claims has been concerning. And then it turns out that a lot of the evidence and a lot of these stories that the, that, uh, uh, the Mossad is putting out are just flat out false. They're lies. You have, uh, I believe it was Jerusalem Post. I don't want to say, I want to confirm if it was Jerusalem Post. Um, so give me a second here. Uh, 
I believe it was them. Yeah. Okay. So Jerusalem Post did this. They've retracted the article now, but fuck them. Just want to put that out there straight up. But Jerusalem Post uh, posted a story where there was a man uh, in what I believe was Gaza. It may have been the West Bank. Let me just confirm on that. Um, We know it was a man holding a baby which was a dead Palestinian baby and he was holding it, uh, rocking it and, and, and kind of very emotional, which, you know, you should be. Well, Jerusalem Post, without any fucking evidence, post an article claiming that this dead Palestinian baby is a doll or was a doll that was manufactured apparently in China, a real doll. As if they, as if a country that has been under siege, or people that have been under siege that has no access to clean water or fuel or or medicine, somehow has the resources. When it's surrounded by a a fucking literal wall barrier, a military outpost completely controlled by Israel, that somehow these people were able to import fake baby dolls. So that they could trick people into thinking that Israel didn't kill that Palestinian baby, that it was a doll, that it's just fake propaganda. The 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 level of a piece of shit you really got to be to put a story out like that is, uh, look, if there's a hell, you have to be concerned about your soul at that point, don't you? Like, wouldn't you, if you really believed in that shit? Wouldn't you think you would burn forever for doing some shit like that? And the crazy part is the propaganda, they're putting out that propaganda, that kind of shit, lying about it. And when you confront them about it, they're moving on to another lie. And they're pretending like they didn't even notice you. And they're putting out this kind of propaganda that, oh, we didn't kill one dead baby. When we have... Thousands of examples of them killing children and killing babies. So I don't understand. It's completely deranged. You know, the propaganda is getting... So when I say, you know, there's this kind of rise in their authoritarianism, I'm not just speaking about the the laws that they're passing, the way that they're trying to force people to not have certain information, like certain opinions, the way they're trying to quell dissent. But they're trying to... There's an element of propaganda that becomes so blatant that part of the miss- miss- mission here is to get you to believe in a lie. There's power to any kind of regime that can make you, force feed you what they know is a lie, and you just believe it. Or you're forced to believe it. That's a form of authoritarianism, too. You know, when we look at countries like uh, North Korea, and I'm not going to get too much into them, but when they have, you know, lore around their leaders or around King Jong-un, where he plays a perfect game of golf, got a hole of one in every single golf course, you know, in every single hole, you got a hole in one. Well, uh, (laughs) that's clearly bullshit, right? That's never been done before. But there's power for the regime 
if they can feed you something that's obviously bullshit and no one dissents. That shows control. It shows their ability to continue doing what they want to do. Because, uh, you know, some of the propaganda people, uh, what I'm trying to say is this, it's not, the propaganda from Israel is moving from a place of trying to shape public opinion, which is what it was doing before, was trying to mislead and misinform people as to what the country was actually doing. And it's, they're still doing that, but the propaganda is actually moving on to another phase. And that phase is much more blatant. And the purpose of it is shut up and take it. That's the point, right? I hate to compare or bring up 1984 here because there was a whole thing where everyone was talking about 1984 and suddenly it became clear that no one has actually read the book. But there is a part of the central thesis of 1984 or a central plot element are is the fact that the uh you know the big brother and the uh, I forget what the government's even called they're able to feed you obvious lies and you just sit there and pretend that you believe it the point is that that the lie is obvious that's the point and this rise in authoritarianism from Israel in particular, it's happening along the US too, but just know that that's, that's the stage that we're at now. We're moving from a place of just uh, trying to shape public opinion and trying to kind of settle down dissent. And we're moving into a phase of shut the fuck up, you piece of shit, and listen. We're going to commit a genocide. You're going to stay fucking silent. You're going to believe. And we are the freest, most beautiful nation in the world. Uh, and look, why is America doing it? Why, why are we going along with this? Well, it's, it's a, long, a long story, but here are some reasons. Number one, money. As Brady says, too, honestly, uh, cheap gas and food is, look, if you're an imperialist kind of nation, you know, and other people know this history, again, better than me. And God, what is that book called that I was uh, listening to, Ugh, which was, uh, let me see, give me just one second. But, the, you know, it explains part of the reason why Britain supported Israel to begin with, and why America has kind of taken on that role. But basically, it's within America's national interests. Uh, America as a as a power, not the American people, um, not really, uh, certainly not the people who are native in, in Palestine. But it's, it's, it's good for uh, us maintaining the kind of power structure that we need, right? Uh, having a place to strike the rest of the Middle East and um, having a, a uh, sort of a, a state that will do a lot of our bidding uh, in that area. Uh, and the, the book I was thinking is called The Hundred Years War on Palestine by Rashid Khalidi. 
and he really gets into why we we would support Israel, why we are supporting Israel, and uh, why uh, you know why this uh, how how we kind of got here. But the 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 going back to to just showing you how deep some of this stuff goes. Um, the money element is a is a big part. Uh, according to like reports from OpenSecrets.com, there are a lot of pro-Israel donations to candidates. APAC, uh, ADL, other groups uh, are giving a lot of money to people, and look, it's been pretty effective. Uh, Ted Cruz has gotten. One million, almost one million three hundred thousand dollars from pro-Israel uh, lobbyists, single-issue pro-Israel lobbyists, according to Open Secrets. Uh, and he had a an appearance on Counterpoints. Uh, it's a show on Breaking Points with um, Crystal and Sager, but this was with Emily Jashinsky and Ryan Grimm. And Ryan Grimm again gave a really good interview of Ted Cruz here, and I'm going to play part of that for you uh, just to kind of get, so you can get a flavor as to what a, uh, what those dollars that were spent are actually paying for. So let me see if I can get that out here. And then if you guys, uh, if you could just let me know how the sound is, one of these days I will actually get a sound system, which I can, I can control a little better and uh, things will sound good, gooder, but this is the, uh, again, this is Ted Cruz on counterpoints. This is what the, uh, we'll just call this money well spent. I can't even click the link. I'm using my phone. Give me one more second here. Okay, I think I have it here. No, that's an ad. I'm not going to pay for YouTube premium or any of that. This is a a lean show, a socialist show. So we are, uh, we're going to stay cheap up in this bitch. <laughs> so to me, okay. Um, okay, at 10.59. So let me go there and then let me know again about the, the volume. Again, this is Ted Cruz on uh, Counterpoints with Ryan Grimm and Emily Jashinsky. So uh, here we go. Proud of it, and your mother is proud of you for doing it. And I know Emily wants to get a question, but I just, on, on this point, briefly, whenever we've had critics of Israel on, we've kind of insisted that they condemn that because while, while we disagree uh, with a lot on the show, we also try to find kind of moral common ground. Yeah, we can we can all agree that those types of atrocities need to be fully condemned. And with that in mind, I'm going to read you a couple of things that we've been hearing from the Israeli government. Uh, we've, we've had a uh, defense minister, uh, Galant, we will eliminate everything, an IDF spokesperson. Our focus is on damage, not on precision. Uh, Agriculture minister, Avi Dichter, 
We are now rolling out the Gaza Nakba. Gaza Nakba 2023. That's how it'll end. Israeli Heritage Minister Amahai Elihu said a nuclear bomb is, quote, one of the possibilities. Uh, Finance Minister Bezal Smotrich, we need sterile zones in the West Bank. Uh, Israeli President Isaac Herzog, it's an entire nation out there that is responsible. This rhetoric about civilians not aware, not involved, is absolutely not true. They could have risen up. They could have fought against that evil regime. Another former Knesset member, there is one and only solution, which is to completely destroy Gaza before invading it. I mean destruction like what happened in Dresden and Hiroshima without nuclear weapons. Would you join us in condemning that as well? So I, I condemn nothing that the Israeli government is doing. I stand with people in Israel, and let me explain. There is a qualitative difference. The Israeli government does not target civilians. They target military targets. The Israeli government... Why are they so bad at their targeting them? If they're targeting uh, so, so, so they're actually not. They are, so then they are targeting No, they're exceptionally good at... So, so for example, a couple of weeks ago, we had stories all over the world that Israel bombed a hospital in, in, in Gaza and killed 500 Palestinians. Now, it turns out that was a blatant lie. It was Hamas propaganda. And, and if you break down, literally every element of the story was a lie. So, number one, Israel doesn't target hospitals. Israel why why have so many hospitals been targeted? Because they haven't. Because it's false. Let's actually look at the facts. So, Israel... So, I'm going to stop there. But, um, I mean, look how... Much Ted Cruz doesn't even have an actual answer to this shit. It's just bullshit. The only thing he says that's clear is, I condemn nothing that the Israeli government is doing. Nothing? Nothing that the Israeli government is doing. When has that ever been said about any government? When it was doing anything? When you think about it. But when we have clear and convincing evidence, irrefutable evidence, of the amount of children who have been killed, children that uh, so irrefutable that the Israel doesn't deny it. They say the numbers are right. <laughs> right? Um, when we have the pictures, when we have the, the parents holding their dead children and mourning, so that we can ha- play a fucking spectator sport, watching them and, and seeing that level of devastation and then go back to jacking off and, 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 and eating Subway sandwiches or whatever the fuck we do. Like, that, that's happening. And here's one of our elected leaders who's saying it's all good. Uh, that's inexcusable. That's inexcusable. And let me just be very clear. I don't like to moralize too much. But that's evil. That's that is that's wickedness. That is wickedness. There's no amount of faith that will save Ted Cruz from judgment should there be a God and should judgment come. There's no amount of faith that will save him from that because that's evil. Can you imagine, uh, you know, I won't get uh, religious and and all that stuff, but can you imagine Jesus seeing that shit? (laughs) Get out. Get out. If Ted Cruz thinks that he can 
both be a good uh, Christian and maintain that as his stance. He's out of his mind. But again, uh, he, he doesn't believe in anything. He believes in that money coming in. And he's not the only one. I mean, you have uh, a lot of people, Eric Cantor, David Perdue, uh, Carl Levin, Ron Wyden, uh, actually uh, Dick Durbin. Dick Durbin has gotten a million, one million one hundred twenty-six thousand and twenty dollars from uh, Israel, uh, pro-Israel lobbies, and that's an interesting one because he was, uh, I guess, to his limited credit, one of the first and few senators to actively call for a ceasefire. But aside from just uh, Dick Durbin and Ted Cruz and these people who are being paid by pro-Israel lobbies to, to, uh, for their campaigns, the number one recipient of pro-Israel donations, according to OpenSecrets.org, is Joe Biden. It's Joe Biden. Guess how much he's gotten over the course of his career from pro-Israel donations? Four million, four million, three hundred forty-six thousand, two hundred sixty-four dollars. Again, that's according to OpenSecrets. Uh, should be org. So, when we look at the policies that we have in place, why we're allowing this kind of authoritarian regime to to uh, continue? Why? we live in a society where your tax dollars are going towards a war that you don't want to happen, that you don't support. Uh, and that is killing innocent people. Innocent, many innocent people. Well, uh, this has been in the works for a long time. There are a lot of very powerful lobbying groups and special interests and elites who all have their own, uh, agendas, and those are the agendas that our government actually serves. And a new, uh, a, a new Senate, Senate Democrats, these are the Democrats too. You know, I see Derek down in the comments saying Democrats and Republicans are trash. Uh, he's correct. There's a Senate Democrats who have released a draft emergency, a draft emergency. This is according to unusual whales. Uh, reporting from Twitter. Uh, it's a good account to follow if you're if you're on Twitter at all. But uh, Senate de- Democrats have released a draft emergency Ukraine is- Israel bill request- requesting 111 billion dollars per Bloomberg. So he got that reporting from Bloomberg. So look, a, a Ukraine Israel bill for another 111 billion dollars of your money to fund two proxy wars, one of which is an actual ethnic cleansing at the very least, a genocide, probably even more appropriately said. So what is, what you know, I, I hear a lot of talk about like we live in a democracy and we have a representative democracy and you can elect these leaders and they can, you know, they're supposed to in, kind of um, enact your will or the will of the people. I'm not seeing a lot of that right now. I'm not seeing a lot of that uh, will of the people shit that's happening. And I, I I wanted really to get to, this is the meat of what I really wanted to talk about. 
is we're seeing this sort of authoritarian, we're seeing a very big disconnect between what the people want, what the people support, and what we get. And the, the methods of sort of addressing that by those in power are becoming more and more explicitly authoritarian. Whereupon, you know, when we say we want healthcare, or when we say we need to reform our healthcare system, there used to be the, the go-to line was, well, people like their healthcare and we don't want government getting involved with your healthcare and stuff. There was a, 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 an attempt to sort of appease or appeal to our nature and to misinform us in such a way that we start to vote against our own interest, that we start to uh, basically, we're, we're massaged into taking positions that are actually detrimental to us. That's a more soft, that's a soft form of control. It's a marketplace of ideas kind of control. It is a, uh, a method that you can use when people are happy enough or safe enough or well enough that they don't think the little details matter as much. They don't, they don't have the time nor the patience to really get into these things and research them and figure everything out. And they think from just like an intellectual level, yeah, that makes sense. Why would we force people all to go on one kind of health care, even if it is better for them? And that's kind of the method that's been used more traditionally in the past. And what we're seeing now more days, uh, now, uh, what we're seeing more nowadays is shut up and eat your pudding. Shut up and eat your slop. We're giving money to Israel. We're giving money to Ukraine. And if you say it's wrong, you're anti-Semitic. We're seeing more actual contradictions in what they're telling us. Blatant contradictions. Russia is committing war crimes, war crimes, war crimes. Russia is, uh, are there war criminals? It's disgusting to kill children. Israel does it way more, and they have a right to defend themselves. As, an, uh, as they're killing children, you have the right to defend yourselves. And they think that we're... They don't think we're stupid. I, I've been thinking that they think we're stupid, but that's not it. Why are we seeing more explicit contradiction, more explicit uh, boldness in them basically saying, fuck you and eat your fucking slop? Why is that happening more? Well, let's look at why things get authoritarian to begin with. Why do they happen? Now, I think there's a, there, there's, none of us are super naive here, right? We don't just think that like somebody got bullied in high school and then they get a lot of power and now they want to be authoritarian for its own sake, except for someone like maybe Elon Musk, right? Like those people exist, but people usually are not just authoritarian to be for the sake of being authoritarian. It is a response to, well, I'll put it this way. People and systems become authoritarian because they believe doing so is necessary to maintain control. And what we have here is a society or a, a we're living in an era now where it's much harder for your government to maintain control over messaging 
for a uh, army to hide its war crimes, for uh, people who are feeding you misinformation to stop you from getting real information. That level of control is harder. And when people actually see the truth of things, turns out a lot of the times we agree. Tough to watch a kid get murdered. Tough to watch hundreds of kids being murdered. We're not, because most of us, our hearts have not been hardened and we have not been poisoned. That's good. That's a really good thing. That part of you, no matter how cynical you might think you are, no matter how uh, hopeless you may feel sometimes, you still care when someone is hurting. That's how you're supposed to feel. And when we're seeing these images, Israel understands, as does the the U.S. government, as do all governments, really. They understand that if we're able to see these things, they will not be able to convince us through uh, lies. There's no convincing. There's no misdirection. It's hard to look at Israel right now, currently, as victims when what they're doing is uh, absolutely atrocious. We could have looked at them as victims on October 7th in the same way that America could be looked at as the victims on September 11th. But once you start bombing and killing innocent people, collective punishment, enacting collective punishment on people, people who didn't have shit to do with what happened to you, literal children, you're going to lose people real quick. So the powers that be need to adjust. They need to, they're not going to win the battle of misinformation information. So what they need to start doing now is more explicit control. We have to control social media. We have to ban those things which are uh, putting out dissenting information or true information, which are, are causing people to have opinions which are uh, contrary to our aims as governments. We have to ban TikTok because uh, kids are being radicalized. That's their word. Radicalized into caring about kids dying. Yeah, all of you who are here, by the way, just so you're, we're clear, you're, you've been radicalized. If you care about children who are innocent and dying, you're a terrorist. And you're anti-Semitic, right? That's that's literally where we're at. That's that's literally sort of the the, the mindset of, of 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 power right now. So they have to get rid of uh, yeah thought crimes exactly exactly Derek thought crimes like 1984 thought crimes that's what we're committing our thought crimes here. Uh, so in order to maintain control. We're going to continue to see more explicit methods of authoritarian reach. Uh, that it's a practical, it's a it is a practical sort of, and and seen by those in power, a necessary uh, step, a necessary uh, move that they must make to stop dissent, to to maintain power. Uh, you may recall an episode where we briefly discussed uh, George Jackson 
the Black Panther who was in prison for uh, a robbery he committed at like 17 and became one of the best Marxist scholars, I think, of, of our times, uh, who died while trying to escape prison. He, he had his, his, his work, Blood in My Eye, and he wrote, among other things, of fascism. And he wrote about it very eloquently, and I think I think very enlight- in a way that's very enlightening. And uh, I want to read some parts of that again, too. Uh, this is from Blood in My Eye, George Jackson. Uh, absolutely worth a read uh, if, if you're looking for something to uh, pick up. And George Jackson says, fascism is always a response to a threat to the establishment. Any anti-establishment actions taken by the strictly political arm of a forming fascist arrangement are simply attempts to centralize or upstage the capitalist industrial sector, either to establish it, as in Spain, modernize it, as in those cases where marginal productive interests are absorbed or destroyed by the arrangement, uh, or to modernize it, uh, as in those cases where marginal productive interests are absorbed and destroyed by the arrangement. It is significant to note that no fascist regime in power has advocated the abolition of any form of private ownership. The fascist regime and private ownership work hand in hand. No modern political regime can exist for long without the cooperation of those who control the means of production. So let's break this down a bit. Fascism is always a response to a threat to the establishment. Well, if people are demanding that you stop funding a war and fighting a war and using their tax dollars to fund it. What's the next step if America doesn't do that? I believe, I honestly believe that we could potentially organize a mass withholding of, of taxes, a mass like you had groups like the, the UAW the fucking boss, like the, the, the boss ass union right now, big balls on that union and, and big old vagina too. They got everything and it's big and it's tough. These guys came out and and called for a permanent ceasefire in Palestine. Why? Because they understand their power and their leverage in a way that is, is what I've been trying to uh, discover and also, talk to people more about. And one of the reasons why I wanted to do this show at all is, you know, understanding that our power comes from our collective action and our collective action as laborers in particular, as understanding what our leverage point is with power. What is your relationship with power? If power depends on your labor, if it depends on your taxes, if it depends on your compliance, refusing power, all three of those things, that's your leverage when you can withhold those things. So when we say, when George Jackson says fascism is always a response to a threat to the establishment, and when our tax dollars are going to fund wars that we don't want them to fund, eventually we're going to stop letting them take money. People are going to start, we're already starting to organize more and more as a collective to try to shut this shit down. The UAW is trying to grow to become the biggest union and uh, get every single car maker involved with it. And if they start to do 
cross-union activity. The, the Screen Actors, uh, or the SAG Union, the Writers Union, the, the uh, UPS workers, the, all the truck drivers, the railroad, railroad workers, we could shut this shit down. We could shut it down. So they need to, those in power, need to centralize and upstage, uh, or they need to centralize and 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 and, and create a very clear, a much more clear. Uh, they're closing ranks within themselves. Those who still have money and power, still have influence, are they're they're fighting on the same team to control us because they understand that should we awaken to some kind of mass public consciousness. Uh, it, the the jig is up. That's how revolutions happen. And Jackson goes on to talk about the three separate forms of fascism in this same chapter of Blood in My Eye, and this is very also very important. So I'll read read this part here. Uh, so again, three separate forms of fascism, according to Jackson, George Jackson, one that is out of power that tends to be almost revolutionary and subversive. It's anti-capitalist and anti-socialist. There's one that is in power, but not secure. This is the, the he calls it the sensational aspect of fascism that we see on the screen and read, on, uh, read of in pulp novels. When the ruling class through its instrumental regime is able to suppress the vanguard party of the people's and workers movement. So this is like Mussolini fascism, Hitler fascism, the uniforms, the the very out and out form of fascism, right? Um, And that's the fascism that is in power, but not secure. And then the third face of fascism exists when it is in power and securely so. And now I've suggested before, and many others before me, right? This isn't like a special suggestion from me, but a lot of people have kind of suggested that the United States could very well be considered a fascist country and a country that is in the third phase of fascism. It is in power and securely so. Now, uh, there's arguments to be had about a lot of this, but I do want to say that there are, there's some interesting sort of components of that third form of fascism, mainly that it's so securely in power that they can allow certain dissenting views to be heard. It doesn't threaten them, right? It doesn't threaten what they want to do around the world. It doesn't threaten their relationship with the capitalist class and their uh, sort of ability to dominate global trade to the benefit of that capitalist class and that fascist regime. And you could very much argue that America is a third or at least was and here's, here's where we, that's a little bit of a spoiler. It's called foreshadowing. Uh, a third phase fascism country. We dominate so many aspects of global trade. Our military is everywhere. We allow these ideas of freedom and democracy and stuff, but we, we uh, you know, all those elements of even who you can elect and how you can even participate in democracy somehow are funneled through 
billion dollar corporations and multi-million dollar actors and elites and lobbyist groups and somehow money always gets its way but the people in, in at the bottom don't so we have this idea that we're a democracy this idea that we have some kind of representation and and an actual real participation in a system but it's a little bit of a facade it's a it's an illusion we're mostly kind of powerless we are uh we are a suppressed vanguard party and workers movement as workers as as people who exist in society our needs don't really matter our desires don't matter our politics don't matter and you can see elements of how even the decisions that were were given between Biden and, and Trump, between uh, Obama and, and McCain, between all of these people, uh, are, are sort of flavor, uh, you know, they're not differences in kind. They're differences in, you know, do you want sprinkles on top or a cherry? And a lot of the political discussions that we end up having, I mean, look, a lot of the things that voters care about in this country are things that we have been conditioned to care about that really don't matter. I know that seems weird to say, but but hear me out. The, the things that we care about, well, maybe a better way of saying it is a lot of the things that we're allowed to debate publicly, that our politicians debate, that they put in front of us as an actual issue, are things that are really inconsequential except for you know, a lot of different minority groups or people who can already be sacrificed at the altar. Uh, we have been talking about abortion for decades and decades and decades. It's a real issue. It's something that needs to be protected. You know, bodily autonomy is something that needs to be protect protected. But as a political football issue, we'll spend... De like we've spent decades talking about this back and forth, back and forth. And during those decades, we inv invaded several countries, killed hundreds of thousands of their people, uh, solidified power networks places and, and been part of the, uh, one of the greatest wealth transfers from the lower and middle class to the elites during that time. When did we get to vote on that? When did we get to have a political discussion on that? When did our politicians prioritize that issue? They never did, and they won't. Now it's trans swimmers. When the fuck have we ever given a shit about swimming, period? But that's going to be one of the big discussions. You look at, you know, some of these conservative, uh, uh, like, like, you know, like the Ben Shapiro's and people of the world, everything they're talking about is fucking inconsequential bullshit. They're making movies about the, the, the pain of like trans swimmers or the, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? And where do they keep getting the funding for that shit? When all of the stuff that they're producing sucks ass. You fund that 
because that's exactly the conversation that you need to put out to a populace to give them the illusion of choice. The money never runs out for all of these dumb fucking idiots who just keep feeding us slop and pretending that we're t- they're talking about politics because it is useful for the ruling class. It helps the elites who are already in power. That is fascism that is in power and securely so. That's third phase fascism. So we have to understand that a lot of those like political discussion, that's the point, right? Like th- this is, that's been the game for a long time. However, however, they're becoming more and more authoritarian. They're becoming more and more blatant. Why? Let's go back to George Jackson. Remember second stage fascism, second phase fascism? Fascism that is in power, but not secure. That's where you get the authoritarian Mussolini's. That's where you get the Hitler's. That's where you get the people. That's where you get the more 1984 conditions. But what does that mean? If, if we're getting more of that propaganda bullshit coming from Israel, coming from America, if we're getting more and more uh, explicit attempts to quell what we can speak about and what we can't speak about, if we're getting more and more desperate attempts to say, oh, if you're anti-Zionist, you're anti-Semitic, what does that indicate to us? Yes, it indicates to us that, oh, we're moving into maybe a more authoritarian stage of America, but it also indicates to us that it's no longer securely, that fascism is no longer secure in its power. It's showing its weakness. It's cracking. That's what it's showing us. When Joe Biden and Florida and all these people are canceling their primaries because they don't want to have competition, that's weakness. That's weakness. The power system is weak. Those in power are weak. They're showing their balls. And they got, oh, they're going to get kicked. That's what they're showing. They're showing their little balls to get kicked. And if you got little balls, no problem. Not trying to be a body shame or anything like that, but just that's what's happening right now. And you see the same thing happening on the right. It is, it is a, it is a, uh, uh, it is, it's a game that they are playing. Well, put it this way. Uh, I'm not celebrating the rise of this sort of more explicit authoritarianism. I'm really not. It's scary. It is, uh, you know, I, I can sit here and talk about how it's, it's, it's showing that it's weak. But here we are every day feeling helpless, many of us, to stop what is actually a genocide that's happening before our eyes, to stop the deaths of children, to stop uh, uh, a people from just being completely devastated. It's still in power, right? And it's demonstrating that power to us. But we cannot be afraid and we cannot check out and we cannot, we also can't look away. I'll be honest, you know, you know, when they say blessed be the martyrs or blessed are the martyrs in Palestine, 
it's hard to call them anything but that. They are to face certain death every day, every moment. To, to, to know that your children could be taken and, and, and murdered at any moment. Um, and to know that your only hope is basically becoming a, a sort of a perverse display uh, that your execution is public enough to maybe move some other people to carry some signs and protest that is fucking terrifying. And there's nothing I can say or do uh, to, to make that feel better, to, to, to alleviate that situation. I don't know. That's just heavy, man. That's heavy. And I don't know how to feel about it because, you know, I would be a liar too if I said that there were times when I, I didn't want to see any more coming out of Palestine, which let's be clear. It is, that is uh, cowardice. It's cowardice. I understand it's, it's necessary for our mental health and everything sometimes, but it's cowardice. People are living this every day. They have no, nowhere and no way to escape it. We should have to feel some of that. It's, it's, it's right to feel some of that. It's right to know that, 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 well, it, it, it wakes you up. And to watch power doing what it's doing right now, committing a, a genocide in public, is, uh, it will make you think, how do you defeat that? But let me tell you, they would not be doing that shit if they weren't already fucking weak. And if it's all of us, versus them on who's going to blink first. We got a lot more numbers to win the staring contest. But I do think the time is is now. I think uh I I think this is this is a moment, people. Um we have to learn from the lessons of the past where we where we failed. There can be no real sort of half measures here. We do not uh, replace Joe Biden with John Fetterman. We replace the whole goddamn system. We replace the whole relationships, the entire relationships of power. It's the only way. And we do that by building solidarity within us. So from each, according to their ability, um, to each according to their need. That's, you know, the, 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 the promise or the, 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 the motto of, of, of Marxism. And who knows, it doesn't have to be completely Marxist or communist. We don't fucking know. But what we do know is... Uh, This is not justice. And what we do know is that our power comes from our ability to be in solidarity with one another. And what I do know is when we're 
in the situation that we're in right now. You have an obligation. We have an obligation that from each, according to their ability, however abled you are, however unabled you may think you are, whatever you can give in whatever way you can contribute to building that solidarity, I call upon you to do so. The martyrs call upon you to do so. Do not let their lives be in vain. Especially when we're seeing how weak power really is. So let's take some callers. Let's take some callers and do that. Zach, what's going on, man? How have you been? Welcome back to the Fred Hampton Inn and Suites. You can go ahead and unmute yourself. Bye. It, it's good to hear your voice, and I, I love that rhetoric. Uh, it it fuels me, man. It, because I, uh, sorry, I, I'm walking by the bathroom. The shower's going, but I'm getting into a more secure place. But yeah, that that rhetoric that you were saying that that is what I've been keeping my mind with, and then thinking, um, like you know collectively we have to do more so it's it's very interesting the things you've been saying yeah yeah i you know i i i really like the you know some people criticize that that line you know the from each according to their ability to each according to their need but i think there's a really kind of positive spin on it there's a positive view on it the the idea that uh our power and our, 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 what, what makes us potentially great is th- that ability to contribute to something greater. You know, the, uh, I'm, I'm not one to, you know, want to get rid of all forms of individuality or anything like that. I think that's, that's kind of a, uh, uh, when people criticize, uh, you know, Marx and uh, socialism and a lot of that stuff for that reason, I think that it's a bad faith criticism because I, I think what we need to understand just generally is uh, we have the ability to, to create a world or to steward a world where uh, all basic needs could be provided for, where we could actually stop the, uh, a lot of the reasons for war for famine, for, you know, we we have this capability to do these things and to kind of ensure that humanity and our planet uh, just remains for as long as it can until the eventual heat death of the universe or whatever happens. We have this through creation or some incredible accident, this ability to uh, explore things so far beyond what we ever knew was possible to to do and we can get there but we have to do that together we have to we we you know uh if you want to what's what's the word if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together Uh, and and you know i think uh i think that 
with the way that power is kind of showing its whole ass right now as being uh, the sort of authoritarian kind of uh, elitist force that it is, this is a great opportunity to show our power. You know, like um, one of the things that George Jackson also says in Blood in My Eyes, he talks about the failures of the socialist parties and the, the workers' parties in stopping the rise of fascism. And he talks about how they, uh, you know, basically didn't take the threat seriously enough. They were, uh, they lost, their eyes basically were not on the prize. They did not, uh, uh, let me see if I can find the actual passage to, to talk about it. Yeah. But it was... I mean, oh, go ahead. that harkens to, and it's a, you know, uh, a fortune cookie slogan, but revolutionary discipline, I keep that in the back of my head because the, that's what's needed yeah. with, you know, learning and educating ourselves and others, a discipline where we can look through the the propaganda and all that. That was interesting that you said that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think one thing that's worth remembering here too is uh, education is an ongoing process and it should not stop you from action like now too. Right. Uh, that part too of from each according to their ability means your ability. Now I don't, the education part is good because we, we continually sort of refine and, and, adapt and develop and, and adjust. And we, we stay sharp, we stay sharp and we stay active and we can avoid some pitfalls along the way, uh, avoid the mistakes of those who came before us, but don't ever let anybody tell you that you, as you are now are not enough to, to help. Everyone can contribute to something, everyone, and everyone should. And, and, and what they can, you know, some people, and, and it's different for everyone. Uh, not everyone is a doctor. They can't all be performing surgeries, but not everyone can uh, be a good friend to people or, not, you know, go out and, uh, I, I mean, like there are doctors who can't go to someone's house, bring them food when they're hungry and, you know, talk to them and make sure that they understand that they're part of the same team. You know, um, there are people who are really good at just drinking beer and talking to people about like how they should organize. Uh, people who know just how to support people by, you know, whatever way they can give a helping hand. That's really that's what it means to, to like, you, you are enough already to contribute. And uh, anyone who tells you that you need to read every book that's ever existed on Marxism and socialism and socioeconomics and economics and psychology philosophy. No, not everyone has to be fucking Ben Burgess. And to, frankly, a lot of people should not be Ben Burgess, <laughs> you know, as much as like I've, I've directly learned uh, from him and others like, or Karl Marx, not, not everyone needs to write some big ass fucking book with tiny print. That's 
almost insane. Like not everyone needs to know how to understand every aspect of that. It's just, we all need to understand that we need to be contributing as a collective together. And I actually found that passage from George Jackson about the, uh, how socialists basically failed to, uh, to stop fascism from happening in, in Italy. And he talks about how uh, in the years following the, the war and during the early depression of 1920 to 25, Italy could have gone either socialist or fascist. There were partisans enough in both parties to lead the uprooted, disintegrating society into a new direction. The difference was in the nature of the leadership along with the question of who would be willing to commit their whole fortunes and futures to the battle. And fascism basically arose by, by pulling a bait and switch, by making itself seem that it was the, um, the workers' party, that it was for the people, and that it could solve the problems. And being more energetic, more uh, balls to the walls, basically, than the socialists were. And I see some of that in, uh, you know, in, in how you have faux populists uh, who, you know, like Trump, who I consider a, a faux populist, because I mean, the guy's literally the ruling class. He's been the elites the whole time. Um, and he doesn't come out and support the UAW whenever the uh, they're striking, whenever workers who are hungry, who he, he apparently cares about so much. He doesn't support them when they come out for the strike. You know, even fucking Joe Biden's crusty ass came out to support the workers, but Trump won't because uh, his uh, his commitment is not real. He serves elites. He serves those who are in the ruling class, and those are who empower him as well. And but he's a lot more energetic. He's got a lot more energy and he will go balls to the walls. Like we need to learn from that. We could look this, the stakes are literally life and death. I mean, when we look at Palestine, when we see what's happening to them, uh, we either figure this out or they continue to die. So we cannot have failures in our leadership or our resolve. Right. Um, let me ask you before I, um, step down. Have you been keeping up with the boycotts and um, protests and movements that have been happening around the world, but in the United States? Have you looked at what their failures are? Because we were talking a good game, not a big game, because, you know, unfortunately, we like you said, the collectivism, we never come together to actually move that football to the the end zone. My questions are, have you been looking at the um, the protests going on and what is your critique of them? If you. It's a very good question. Um, I haven't been spending a lot of attention on the protests. I think the ones I've been most impressed by were the protests on the ships that were meant to ship uh, Israeli or Israel weapons from America that were happening early on. I thought those were, uh, I really liked that. It might take more. I'm not sure. 
I'm really not sure. And this is where I would, uh, this is maybe perhaps where I can go next in, in my research. But honestly, I would love to speak with people who are, you know, maybe even getting people from um, either Jewish Voices for Peace. I, someone who is, you know, that's one of those skills that I'm not sure if I have that ability. I mean, there was a guy, I know there's a guy who just wrote a, a book about uh, some of the protests that had happened in Argentina and uh, some other places, I think some places in, in South America and the difference between the protests and the movements that were successful and those that were not. I swear I was looking into that, but I, I, I'll have to go back through my notes and look, but that would be a really good resource to, tr to try to figure that out. What, what I will say is I, I, it seems, and this is just a layman's opinion here. I mean, everything I'm saying is just me talking out of my ass, right? I don't know anything, but I, I do think it feels like, <laughs> I'll say that, I, it feels like uh, more confrontational protests are kind of going to be necessary. And I don't mean like confrontational protests with, uh, you know, like people who are very pro-Israeli on the streets or anything like that. I mean, more confrontational protests with power, uh, denying the ability for capital to flow, denying the ability for weapons to get from point A to point B. Real, like civil unrest that is targeted. Uh, I do like a lot of the uh, the calls for boycotting. Boycotting is, is still very useful. Uh, boycotting companies that are still uh, either donating to Israel or in league with them in one way or another. Um, and I could probably find a list of that. Um, Jenny, I know you're saying Trump supported workers by bringing jobs back to the Rust Belt. I mean, you can believe what you want to believe, but uh, I'm going to call it like I seize them. You know, you don't support unions, then how pro worker are you? See if Trump supports unions. Because uh, bringing jobs, that's like, I mean, a slave owner could say that. I brought, I got more land so I can work more slaves and they could live somewhere and they could have all kinds of, they, they, they can, I give them the bad parts of the pig to eat. They love it. And I, they can be warm and safe in the winter. As long as they pick my fields of cotton and I keep all the money. So I've, I've gotten you a job. I'm keeping you off the streets, slave. Teaching you social skills, like how to get your ass whooped. <laughs> It's fucked up, but I mean, uh, yeah, I don't buy it. I, I, I don't buy it. Show me, show me him powering, empowering workers. Uh, and then we'll talk, but I, I, I don't see it. Brady, welcome back to the Fred Hampton Inn Suites. How you doing, man? How's the proxy party? What's going on? The, uh, community garden's absolutely banging. Um. Cool. I'm working with a guy named Jeff Horn on making a new version of Colin that is transparent, democratic, has all these cool um, democratic bells and whistles included. 
and like the ability to vote on things like while we're having a conversation like that. So it's like, it's really good for organizing, holding meetings, you know, that kind of thing. Um, a, a lot of organizers like RBN, for example, like there's really no reason for savvy Sabs to come here anymore. Um, like she's not getting paid to be here. There's not a, there's only yeah, like yeah. 80 people in every single one of her rooms, but, um, you can clearly see that this is a good space for her to speak freely, organize all that kind of stuff, you know, away from the rules yeah, of yeah. YouTube. And so I think it really does have a good functionality, a uh, really important purpose in just to highlight the importance of digital activism. You know, a lot of people like to scoff and like um, poo poo on keyboard warriors or whatever. But the keyboard warriors have gotten the attention of Starbucks this week. You know, Starbucks is in a death spiral right now because of the boycotts. And those kind of things yeah, happen because sure. of digital work. And uh, a lot of uh, online opinions have been swayed because of the comment section. You know, just leaving a comment in the comment section is powerful. You know, especially if we were to get together and really kind of hone our message and hone our talking points and stuff as uh, as a group, you know, um, and actively did this kind of, um, like if we actively protested online with the same kind of organization that we do in public, I think that would be orders of magnitude more effective than banging pots in the street saying free Palestine. You know, nobody cares. They don't care. When we go in the street and we yell, we have the signs nobody cares. Like if I'm a rich guy, I'm just going to be real. Like, um, if I'm a rich dude and I'm just totally self-centered and, um, you know, somebody comes out and banging, banging pots, holding signs, waving and yelling. I don't care. I drive past them. If, if they're gluing their hands to the street and I have to wait in traffic, I just think they're even more assholes and I hate them even more. And, um, it, it doesn't really do anything for me. But if, uh, if I see my favorite influencers getting dunked on in the comment section, it becomes publicly embarrassing for me to support them. And when, that, when, I think, when, is when truly both. I'll, I'll say this, too. And I'm uh, okay. Great. I was going to ask if you can mute because there's a little feedback when, when I speak. But uh, I'll, I'll, let me start with this. I, I actually, to some extent, uh, agree that keyboard worrying or being a keyboard warrior is not useless. I, I, before, I would think it's the worst form of a ad activism. Uh, I still think, you know, it's a lesser form in a lot of ways, but uh, when you have keyboard warriors who are, you know, uh, kind of like, I guess, like Jonathan Cadman comes to mind um, or b b other people who are probably doing it really well right now with Israel, you know, like Max Blumenthal and um, uh, trying to think of other people, although I want to really qualify him as a keyboard warrior. But the fact that like you have people who what they're doing is all day. There is a propaganda being put out that is, you know, lies about what's what the Palestinians are doing or lies about how Israel is conducting itself or yada, yada, yada. And they're they're continually trying to uh, uh, they're continually debunking all of that. They are constantly debunking their 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 showing truth. They're doing they're, they're doing those things that has a real effect. And I think it has a real effect on. Uh, swaying public opinion, or it could have a real effect on swaying public opinion. But at the same time, I also think uh, in act like in person demonstrations of numbers are very effective 
in showing that people will actually get off their ass to do something. And also, if you do them right, they can be very uncomfortable for people. Maybe you wouldn't care about uh, people actually getting in your way exactly. from uh, you know, in, in, in person, but there are a lot of people who actually do care about that. Yeah. There are people who, if you make it very uncomfortable for them to basically live their daily lives, uh, th they will be affected and they will bend and they will break. And that is, we don't need to convince everybody. We don't need to convince the biggest hard ass. And we don't even need to really convince people, a lot of people. Um, we, we just need to make their lives very difficult. And some of them will break, some of them will bend, others will be convinced. And uh, I think that's important. And it also shows solidarity, like people who, are in Palestine, I wonder, look, I, I probably doesn't mean too much in some ways, but I wonder what they think when they see, you know, if they have access to internet and someone shows them a video of marches in Los Angeles and then Chicago and then, you know, fucking Atlanta and uh, Brussels and, uh, you know, uh, Frankfurt and, 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 Paris and all these places around the world waving their flags. I think that there is something to know or there is something to be gained in understanding that uh, they're not alone and that their uh, people at least are paying at least in some attention to them, that there are real people out there who are opposing this. I think it can give people strength. It can give them the will to carry on. Um, but I don't know. I, it, it's, it's, it's tough to say. And I don't, I don't think, think it's, it's yeah, uh, I, I was going to mention that some of the, I think the most effective in-person activism um, in protesting has been one-on-one. -on -one. Like when Aaron Mate met that guy on a train and put a camera in his yeah. face and asked him, Hey man, yeah. you know, they're yeah, killing kids over there. Why don't you call for a ceasefire? I think that was hugely yeah. important. And that's just one guy with one camera. And then also like the one-on-one -on -one yeah. conversations that I have with people in private are often way more productive than two groups of people yelling at each other, you know? So I think yeah. when it comes to group of, if you want to be effective as a group yelling at people, I think it's better to do it online because the words are permanent. Um, they stay there. <laughs> They're not just in the air and then gone the next, you know? Um, but a digital word is there forever. And so if you're going to yell and scream, I, I encourage people to do that too. You know, uh, don't hesitate to be digitally active and I'll pass the joint. Yeah, I appreciate it, Brady. Thanks. Uh, and, uh, good points, good points to be made about, uh, digital activism as well. Uh, Peter, what's going on, man? How have you been? Welcome to the, uh, Fred Hampton Inn Suites. Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. I'm so glad you're back. Uh, so, you know, sometimes when you don't show up on Tuesday, I worry a little bit about you. And, uh, oh, I'm okay. I'm doing fine. I'm just usually doing excellent, excellent. <laughs> So I want to add some, yeah. share this uh, with uh, you guys. Uh, uh, apparently, a lot of people do, does not know this. Uh, South Korea is not a democracy until late 80s. Taiwan is not a democracy until late 80s. Uh, the U.S. set up uh, South Vietnam. South Vietnam is not a democracy <laughs> until, you know, yeah. and uh, apparently now, you know, for the longest time, we all believed, I myself personally thought 
Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East, right? <laughs> Now we can say no, it's not. It's a uh, a Jewish majoritarian democracy because uh, you know it's similar to America being the white majoritarian democracy. So this is、right. one thing I want to mention. The second is that、uh, politically, I really think this、uh, Israel Hamas war is a great thing. Because、uh, you laid everything out,、uh, you know, like, including Ted Cruz, the hypocrite, the and、uh, Ben Shapiro, like you just mentioned, and you、yeah, know that. So very, I, very, I, I kind of like it. it. It definitely makes them look, you know, it's well, it's hard to say I like it because the cost is too high, right? Like the the, the human cost is is is.、Uh, I can't imagine any situation where I, where I would willingly pay this, well, or where where I ask people to、mm-hmm, pay that.、Mm-hmm. But as far as the effects of showing people to be completely unserious, completely unprincipled, basically monsters who have nothing of worth to say and whose arguments break down immediately from even the slightest amount of push, for showing people to be bitch ass niggas, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's it's. it's Yeah, I mean, of course, casualty loss of human lives is a sad thing. But、uh, if you Google Ted offensive, you'll find out the casualty in the Ted、uh, offensive is、yeah. probably even worse、yeah. than what the、uh, you know and、uh, you know you know、yeah. what I'm saying. But、uh, yeah. what a political I, I, message I, I, that the Ted offensive has been. You know, literally. You know, yeah. And uh, uh, next thing I want to mention is that Mar-、uh, Mary Garland actually today announced he is pursuing. Four Russian soldiers for war crimes, <laughs> talking about the hypocrisy of the、oh、U.S. And I was like, okay, so、uh, <laughs> yeah. this is for real. I was laughing my ass off because I'm going to do a room just for that. I was like, okay, Mary Garland is a Jew. Can we expect Mary Garland to pursue Israeli soldiers <laughs> or Hamas fighters? I think we could. I mean, like, look. I think that that's one of the reasons I really like groups like Jewish Voices yeah, for Peace、mm-hmm. and these the, the Torah Jews, right? I think it's important sometimes, especially when your identity is used so often as a justification to commit something that's a heinous act, like just an absolutely despicable act, or used to justify either discrimination against you or your ability to discriminate against another group. I think it's important. To find those people who can cut through that, who see the lie of it, and see how their identity is being weaponized to achieve unjust aims, and who speak out and yeah, say no, absolutely. So absolutely, yeah.、Mm. You know, like one of the things that's been disappointing about Bernie、oh, Sanders is about, yeah, he's not fucking talking.、Yeah. Like he、mm-hmm. needs. I don't understand、yeah. that. I, I really don't understand. It's really disappointing, and it's it's you know it's it's. Destroying a lot of his legacy,、um, at least for me. And actually, one thing I did want to talk about with you, though, because you brought up a really good point with,、um, you know, the Ted Offensive and how,、uh, you know, this as far as like atrocities committed by America and Israel and and other sort of regimes, you know, what's happening right now in Gaza? This is not our first rodeo, right?、Uh, we killed many, many more over the course of the, you know. Wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, the Tet Offensive, the like, the、uh, you know Ho Chi Minh Trail, the the the、uh, you know the Pol Pot shit, and everything that we fucking made happen in、uh, 
Laos and, and, and uh, Cambodia. Um, exactly. exactly. You know, like massive, massive amounts of death and, and things that were, you know, if you talk about the, the Pol Pot and everything, just the, the, the pure cruelty of so much of that is, uh, it's hard to, you really can't wrap your head around it. But do you think, because this is what I'm thinking, I'm thinking that, uh, well, uh, do you think that part of the reason that we're responding the way that we are to Palestine and their people and their plight is because of the rise in social media and how m- much easier or how easy it is now to, to have actual images and like day by day, step by step, uh, on the ground reports of how it's really like you oh, know, yeah. these, these absolute yeah. numbers. And, you know, like, cause, cause here's the thing, right, Peter, like, yeah, and this is going to sound like terrible, but I think there's some truth to it. Like someone can tell me, you know, my dad was murdered or my mom was murdered. My daughter was murdered. And I can, you know, I'm, if I'm hearing you say that I'm immediately, Oh my God, you know, I'm thinking, I, I'm, I'm feeling it. And I, I'm, I am, uh, I'm upset. Of course it upsets me, but there's an abstract quality to it because I don't, you know, there's a difference between hearing that someone committed suicide and finding them hanging yep. somewhere and having to pick mm-hmm. them down, mm-hmm. you know, impact of that is very different. And now that we have that impact more and more, oh, right. Yeah. We're, we're not absolutely. There. But we're seeing, we're seeing. Yep. Abs- I saw a child I... <laughs> with leg blown off and its bone through its mm-hmm. leg, and she's screaming and crying, and she's covered in suit and dust, and it's and she's next to a whole other room of children who are all in the same yep. condition, and they tell us they tell us this is self defense. So I think. I mean, how do you, what do you think about yeah, just yeah? The rise I'll go, I'll go back to the yeah. You're right. First of all, it is the social media. It is the internet technology. Like I said, you can be the poorest villager in a remote mountain in Africa, or or some uh, uh, some Arab in uh, on a camel's back in the middle of a desert. As long as you have a cell phone, you will see everything. This atrocity as it happens. This is far from Ted offensive. During Tet Offensive, the news media have to shoot the film, ship to Hong Kong, and then transmit from Hong Kong to back to America. There is a, uh, I think it's 24 hour delay. And, uh, as a, uh, Walter Cronkite has to flew to Vietnam during Tet Offensive to see it for himself. And then be on the news saying he does not see yeah. U.S. ever will win this war. The best thing can ever happen is a stalemate. And that changes everything. But the atrocity is the same. It's napalm bomb. It's cluster bomb. It's 5,000 bombs. <laughs> bombs. So the U.S. did already worse things. And so, so going back to what you said, yeah, you're absolutely correct. This is social media. This internet has empowered brown people and the brown nations, right? So another thing before I forgot, because, uh, remember, uh, Mary Garland is pursuing Julia Assange, who disclosed torture in the Iraqi prison, which is a war crime. Right. Committed by U.S. Right. soldiers. Now, where is uh, mm-hmm. 
Merrick Garland, <laughs> you know, and uh, so this is called the hypocrisy of American justice and American democracy. So I'm just glad this whole thing, this whole ethno-political violence, show true lo- uh, color of every single virtual signalers, uh, right? Yeah, and, yeah, it's, it's it's absolutely showing that the America's booty stank. Yeah, you know, like it's. It's showing that the booty sank. It's it's nasty, and you know I think uh, this is another thing that I I you know kind of jumping off your point is uh, you know Cronkite the scene is believing kind of aspect of things right, and how brown people are really benefiting a lot from social media. Well, uh, even though a lot of police shootings of unarmed people have over time maybe been going down or staying stagnant the real rage for these incidents started to come out when uh black people got cell phones you know when people got phones and started to film the actual interaction because the interaction itself you know when you just hear the story it's easy to dismiss it's easy to say or maybe oh he must have been doing something wrong because it's so fucking far-fetched at times to explain to someone that like no this police officer just decided to, after I was being accused of spending a counterfeit $20 bill, to kneel on my neck until I died for no, like that was it. And everyone was telling me, he was surrounded by people telling uh, him, him you're, you're killing him, you're killing him, he's dying. And then he just stays there anyway. It's like, it's that kind of shit. Like seeing yep. that is actually much more impactful. Oh. And I don't think it's mm-hmm. a... Uh, uh, coincidence, and I, I know you you can't think it's coincidence either, but that now we're starting to see a lot more calls lately to regulate social media, to control uh, Twitter, to control uh, you know TikTok, to maybe ban it because of harmful misinformation. <laughs> I, I don't government. think they want the powerful. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Harmful mm-hmm. to the government. That's that's the thing is it, they, I don't really think they give a fuck about a misinformed public because they're not stupid. They understand that even though was there like Russian disinformation? I don't even know if you can call it disinformation. Did Russia try to like stoke or some Russian actors try to stoke uh, like uh, racial se- separation and, and or like, you know, BLM? Like, did they try to promote internal dissent in America? Sure. But did that really have any effect on anything? Well, according to anyone who's serious about it and any serious report I've seen about it, absolutely Mm, not. No. But the overemphasis on that desire to control disinformation is not a desire to keep the populace more informed. It's to have that control so that they can stop too many videos of uh, brown people getting shot and murdered from uh, us seeing them so that we don't react so that they they, they can maintain control yep. so yep. um you know it's 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 a it's, it's, yeah. it's really last thing and uh, i will share and I'll, I'll pass the joint is that uh if you really uh want to get yourself into trouble donate money to hamas it will be a crime <laughs> I mean, I re- remember yeah. you said you try to want to organize try not to pay taxes these days i think it's very difficult because yeah. your tax 
taxes will be electronically deducted, you know, if you work, right? And all that. And uh, yeah. But I do know if you want to show that the civil disobedience and you can afford it, donate money to Hamas. That actually is literally yeah. a crime under our current law. <laughs> it, it, it's very, you know, it's very funny because I was thinking uh, earlier today of whether or not it's possible for someone to donate money to Israel right now. Like, is there a fund to donate uh, funds, you know, donate money to the IDF or donate money to Israel? And, you know, I, you start to think like, well, shouldn't that be a crime? Like, why shouldn't like donating to any sort of active army should be an issue. Right. But our money is going to the Israeli Defense mm -hmm. Force, whether we want it to or not. And. I was thinking if they allow you to voluntarily donate to the Israeli Defense Force, why would they? It's a little weird or it's 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 hypocritical or it kind of shows you where their alliances and their allegiance lies that they would not let you donate to Hamas. Now, they'll say one's a terrorist organization. The other's not. I know what I'm seeing. <laughs> right. I, I know what I'm seeing out of Israel right now. I know how I've seen the kids being killed. Okay. I, I'm watching it. I don't support that shit. And, and I, I think objectively at this point, if you go by just the sheer amount of devastation, Hamas is nowhere near what the IDF has done exactly. in response, what Israel has done yep. in response now. And people are going to say, Oh, well, they started it. They did all this cool, whatever, even if I give you that, which I don't because there's an, like the open air prison situation is is something is really fucking something. The conditions that Palestinians were living under were are really it's apartheid. Yep. Right. So it's it's a Norman Finkelstein idea of like, does the prisoner have the ability to resist against a prison guard if they're unjustly like imprisoned? Yep. Stuff, right. But let's just give them the fact that there's no uh, that October 7th is is a. Uh, well, the most heinous, like disgusting thing that's ever happened until the response, because the the response is there's no way to argue that it's proportionate, that it's that it's really being targeted towards uh, accomplishing the, the, the stated goal of destroying Hamas, that it is uh, n there's no way to argue that it's not cruel. If October 7th was cruel, then this response is just by the sheer uh, uh, scale and uh, comparatively to what happened on October 7th is far more cruel, yep. far more disgusting. Yep. And and it is, uh, uh, if one of the groups is, are terrorists, which I, look, I do think uh, kidnapping, killing civilians is, uh, is, is a, an act of terrorism, or at least, you know, it's fucked up. Uh, by those, by judging by those same standards, and I don't know how we can say that Israel is not acting as, as a bunch well, of it's a war, so it's a violence, it's a social justice, it's no longer a justice system working. Uh, to give equitable uh, uh, solutions to both sides, Palestinian and Israeli. Now it's just uh, war, uh, violence against violence, blood for blood. And uh, that's what the uh, Vietnam War is all about. And uh, that's uh, what is going to be uh, in for the Middle East. So, and uh, 
But again, yeah. well, welcome yeah. back. I really appreciate it. Let me pass the joint. Thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I appreciate you, Peter. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, and Peter's got his show here, a uh, couple shows. He's got Geopolitics is Ethnopolitics, uh, had a show called Judicial White Privilege. Uh, always good stuff um, that, that Peter has on here. Uh, Lance, you're, you're, uh, you're the caboose, baby. Go ahead and caboose it up. Yeah, I have to kind of disagree. Well, actually, I just vehemently disagree because every single show that uh, Brother Peter puts on, he, it's all about hate, hating white people. Every person that's white is hate. It's about hate and vitriol. That's pretty much oh, all he attracts these days yeah. are people like that. That's an opinion. You know, is it okay to have an opinion like that? Peter says horrible things about me and Vlad and all these people. But as soon as I push back to any of those people. But anyway, here's my take on Palestine. Mm-hmm. I try to offer something new, you know. Israel bad, Jews good. Palestine good. Hamas does a lot of bad things, you know. I mean, I think sure. it's kind of yeah. like, I think it's kind of like if the Indians decided after being genocidally treated for a while, and all of a sudden they just out of nowhere rise up and start scalping and slaughtering people. Well, they're terrorists. They're the bad guy. So let's ignore everything from January sixth, fifth, fourth, and third. Or as someone else said, well, let's look at the rhetoric of Israel and then look at what happened on 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 uh, you know on October eighth, ninth, tenth, November right now in terms of the disproportionality. But here's my take, right? I mean, I say that, and people will agree or disagree, but it's not exactly a new thought. I try to offer right. something new. So here's sure, my sure. new thought. Do you think that according to Jimmy Dore's source, and, you know, I, I like Jimmy Dore a lot, but I disagree with him a lot. I think he's white as fuck, frankly, speaking about white people. He's a little bit too white for my taste, but he's a good guy. He gets it, you know? He does. And I don't have to say, oh, I disagree about something pretty important, so now I got to hate him. No. And I think he's got pretty good sources when he puts stuff up, knowing that even though he don't give a fuck, he knows he's going to be attacked six ways from Sunday. So I think he has his crew when he comes up with specific stuff. He's pretty thorough about that. Although I think he's got some really horrible takes about Nick Brown and a lot of other things. Okay. But according to, according to JD, the, and this, this bears out with my random just watching what's going on. It's about 90% worldwide, hundreds of thousands of people in London supporting Palestine, the government, of course, doing the opposite. So considering that, according to Jimmy Dore, 90% of the pushback is against Israel and in favor of Palestine, considering the fact I've been around this planet for six decades and I've been paying pretty close attention to politics for about five of those decades. I've never seen this kind of pushback against Israel. I've never seen it. This is new. And it's because of young people, I think. But primarily, they're really giving a lot of fuel to the others that might be protest. I don't know what the average age of the people in around the world doing this, but I have a feeling it skews younger. Now, do you think, Brother Biden, Brother Joe, that at long last, it may be unavoidable, that this may be, and you know, there's the old saying that it's a foul, mighty foul wind that doesn't blow some good somewhere, you know? Look sure. what happened with the Holocaust. I, sadly, it took nine million. It wasn't six million. It was nine or twelve million if you count the whole total. But we changed our whole way of doing war. We stopped, you know, carpet bombing cities like Dresden and 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 Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Thank you. You know, so we took a few mea culpas while we still had the Nuremberg trial. We revamped everything. Sadly, it took sure, nine million sure. deaths. So, is there kind of a similar reckoning?
Are we going to let them put them in Egypt in permanent refugee camp? We can't go back yeah. to Gaza. If this ends yeah. in a month or two, do you think, as I do, and I'm a glass half full kind of guy, I don't ignore the negative, but I still try to find that silver lining. Still try to find that, that, that positive wind, you know? And I'm yeah. saying, do you think, as I do, that there's at least hope that right now we are at a reckoning point and we're going to have to deal with the Palestinian problem one way or the other. And it means getting them a state, two state, one state, three state, nine state, whatever it is. Do you think we're at a turning point and there might be actual hope for Palestinians at this point? There's my new thought that I have. I, 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 I've heard a version of it. Um, I specifically like your point of the anti-war potential of it, right? The, 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 there's kind of two parts to this, right? Do we think that this is a turning point for Palestine as like uh, uh, their statehood or their, um, the people to either have a two-state solution, one-state solution, that they have something that their issue here is, be, is actually going to be dealt with? I, and then there's the actual question, the, ex, the, the extra question of um, do we think that this will have an effect on how wars are fought? The, the level of devastation that we're seeing, do we think that maybe this can have a, an anti-war sort of effect or a, a changing in the way that wars are fought by the sheer devastation and the, the, that it's having or that we're seeing and the fact that we're seeing it? Uh, for the Palestine question, it's, it's tough to say. I think yes. I think if there was going to be a time... It, it, the fact that this could spiral still potentially into something bigger, into a bigger world conflict is, is not lost on me. And I don't think it's lost on a lot of different world leaders and, 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 and people. Um, if there's enough pressure from us, uh, the U S and from uh, people who are out there protesting and, 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 and wanting demanding change, I think it could lead to something. Now, I don't know how you get Israel to uh, uh, to go with that unless you have someone who is in charge of the United States who is willing to flex that power and to risk that relationship with them to force them into compliance, which has really not been done as far as I know since, like, uh, I guess Reagan was probably the last one to do it, but I'm not always up to date on that history. I know JFK had done it at some point. Um, but that's that's the only way you need Israel to, someone has to have enough le leverage or uh, put Israel in a position to where they're forced to accept it. Uh, and then no guarantee that that will change forever down the line. But as to how wars are fought, that's a more interesting one. Look, I think, I think wars are going to be fought differently in the future just because of changing technologies. I think, you know, a lot more... Uh, sort of digital kind of attacks and, and information kind of stuff, a lot less like straight up infrastructure bombing. Uh, but I do think this is not helping uh, anyone who thinks about, uh, who cares about, or, or anyone who's seeing this right now, is, except the people who are, uh, you know, whose hearts have kind of been poisoned and think that seeing children die is okay. Uh, anyone who is uh, watching this right now cannot feel good about how wars are being conducted. I mean, frankly, it's it's if you see some of the pictures of just the infrastructure de devastation, uh, 
insane. I mean, it, it looks like a CG of like how the cities in the Matrix looked when the world had uh, ended. It's apocalyptic. I don't know how else to describe it besides apocalyptic. So it's uh, my take. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for calling, Lance. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to uh, end the episode. Uh, oh, were you? Lance, right? That's the person you perma block for a year. That's the asshole. That's how scary I am. Uh, by you're not around all these groups. Every single person, Derek, Amanda, Peter, Brady, and then Joshua, alongside them, allowing it, they all ban and block me. So when I speak my piece about my personal beefs, because I have no other opportunity, this is who I am in all these other rooms. They're afraid of my intellect, my wit, and the fact that I could talk equally to the PMC grad student lounge lizards like an intelligent person, and I can go in the gutter. I'm not proud of it. I wish I was a Zen Buddhist master, but when they go in the gutter, I can go. Go in the gutter twice as hard. They fear me. It ain't because of my time. Fighting my attackers. I'm not a victim, but thank you for that. Okay. Yeah, sure. Sure, Lance. Um, a lot there. Uh, I am not going to comment on any of it. <laughs> but, you know. Oh, I know uh, you well uh, enough to know I, that you're a fence sitter. It's one of the things that bugs me. You worry about tone. You're like the tone police. And I don't care about saying harsh things to you. I'm not blowing smoke on anyone's ass. And you are, you are a fence sitter who wants tone. <laughs> I don't know how I got on your shit list, Lance. Um, me. Don't put words in my mouth, but you do go for the equalizing. This is what's happening in society. Everybody wants to sit in the fence and never take a position, no matter, almost no matter what it is. I don't buy it. Yeah, okay, over, okay, you're right, you're right, you're right. Overly diplomatic and tipping your hat to the tone police. Okay, let me be, let me be clear. I won't say you don't have me. Like, you can call me maybe like diplomatic, but to call me a fence sitter, I mean, I've made it pretty clear how I feel about Right. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think sometimes that, you know, sometimes, you know, fair criticism, but uh, I'll say this uh, sometimes, man, and I don't know how else to say this, but sometimes you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. And you got to know, like, look, there's a time and a place. There's a time and a place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I, you know, like, I don't, I don't assume, I guess it's. They all love you, and they're all in your room, and they like you. But if you knew that 20 people were disingenuously banning you, you'd fight back a lot harder like I do. I'm sick of hearing people say, but nobody does this to me. Yeah, because I'm overly diplomatic, and I want both sides, and I never push back on personal problems. I do. So so maybe my takes are not, like, wrong. It's just that people don't want to hear it. So if you're going to be all willing to be all even-keeled all the time, you're not the one getting abused the way I am, unfortunately.
I mean, I, I, I will try. I don't know. You want to give me your shoes? I don't know how the fuck to do it. Like, I don't know how to do it. And I'm, you know, like, okay, so I won't fence it on this. I, I, I'll say it in a different way, on topic, um, without the vective, without the ad hominem. Yeah, Nobody gets yeah. goes to my room, not Amanda, not Derek, none of my haters. I block none of them. They can come to any room I have or that I'm in, and they can rant and rave and say all the things they want about why they blocked me. I block. Joe, Joe, if you have. Lance, that's what I'm talking about. Like, 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 you know, this, this, like, no one is entitled or like, no one has to be your friend or like you or talk. Yeah, if they want. I mean, if they want. This is like a major thing, right? Sure. I'm wonderful that you're affluent up or whatever, that you can go in 80% of rooms and be in the rooms 18 hours. More power. But she goes in 80 Oh, well, that's, yeah, that could be a little bit of an issue, I, I guess. But, like, honestly, man. Yeah, well, I, I, uh, okay, I, I don't know how to stop that. I don't have any control over that. I mean, but, but it's hard because, like, I don't, like, I don't think anyone has to talk to you. You know what I mean? Like, and you know, like, this is supposed to be about Israel. Yeah, but like, what? The, I guess yeah, but Lance, what is? How about this? What? What the fuck does that? Like what the fuck you want me to do about it? Like what the fuck? Like I'm just I mean you could say you're I'm not I'm a I think I think the idea uh, okay if you're gonna force me to like this doesn't make sense though because it's not a fence sitting issue and it's a little I mean we've spent now 20 minutes talking about your own personal problems right but like look this is an issue of the of the platform which let's just be real this platform is gonna die anyway it was supposed to be dead like months ago right it's gonna it's, 
It's not a side. I'm on the side. Like, I do think people don't have to talk to you if they don't want to talk to you. I think. No, that doesn't make sense because look, it's a it's a function of the app. If the function of the app is All right. Well, I mean, like, uh, <laughs> so I, I know. No, I don't care about like pissing people off if they're being a fucking dick. Like, I don't give a shit about. It. I think. I think. Of the two of this, if you want me to just be like, who do like who's wrong here? I think you're more wrong than them. Yeah, yeah. Motherfucker, if someone don't want to talk to you, if someone don't want to talk to you, then they don't have to fucking talk to you. And the fact that like one of the I don't like I Lance there's like I do think you're kind of a fucking asshole sometimes man I'm literally not like as far as like the shadow banning you described I think that's bad for the app I think it's bad you're right Yeah, we're, uh, 
I, I, I disagree, but. I, I, I don't like that it's happening. Uh, but again, I do think people have the right to block. <laughs> Thank you for calling Lance. Uh, if, if not, uh, you, you really do fascinate me. I won't lie. Uh, and, and I don't mean that in a, in a, a negative way. It's just, Oh God! Do I take it? <laughs> do I go again? I need to get the fuck out of here, man! Like, what? the the the. I think it's just look, Lance. Here, here's what I'll say. Just because, uh, okay. Before I before I take you back real quick, and I, I, I'll say this: like, you fascinate me because there's a lot of times when, like, when you call in and we're talking about the issue or something, you have a lot of great things to say, but I don't. Like I, I'm not on this app all the time, and I don't know what the fucking drama is between you and other people and everything. And and uh, I, I guess I just don't get, uh, I don't get a lot of it, you know. And I don't get how you're stewing over it. I do think you should try to be a Zen master. I really do because. And the other thing I will say, well, I'm, maybe I shouldn't even say it. No, I'm just gonna say it. Like, like, like. Lance, you can't be surprised that, like, everyone's blocked. Attacking them and being a, a dick. Like, it's, I can't believe, this is supposed to be about Israel and Palestine. <laughs> okay, let me, let me bring you back up. I just, I had to get a little bit in because, uh, yeah, you know how you can get, Lance. You start, you, when, once you start going off, you just, you're, you're feeling it. So you're hot. So you just keep going. So come back up. Okay. So I you you called back in when I said you fascinate me. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm.
there. Yeah, that's fair in some ways. I guess, like, the, I don't know the facts that you have is completely fair. Um, I, I feel like I'm in the... By the way, I have chat receipts about Heidi. I have chat receipts about Amanda. I have chat receipts about Peter. No, I'm serious. I have receipts. I have proof of everything I just said. I have absolute proof of everything. Yeah, 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 but right. That's why I didn't say I'm going to show you. That's why I didn't say, Joe. I didn't say I'm going to show you the receipts. I didn't say I'm going to link the receipts. I'm just telling you. I can back every goddamn thing I set up. That. Right. 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 That's 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 fine, but like Lance, I like uh, I've said this before. Like here, here are two things, right? I, as far as like the shadow banning, I don't think like here here's the thing. I think people should be allowed to ban you, but but I don't like the fact that it effectively uh, one person banning you can effectively kick you out of a whole bunch of different rooms. So basically, if enough people are banning you, or even if a couple of people ban you, you're banned from the app. Right. Well, you're you're banned from the app effectively if that happens. But it's not. That's not their problem. If they don't fucking like you, but that's what I'm saying. But the whole app is blocking you because individual people are blocking you, right? Like that's the reason. No, 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 no. You know why I know that? Because Joshua learned it. Vlad learned it. Brady learned it too. He cucked out. They say what if if someone is a moderator. And they make me a speaker that, no, you can't let Lance in. You can't. And they either have to back me and be banned just like I'm banned from the entire herd. Or they have to say, okay, okay, sorry, Lance. I'd like, they literally say that I'd like to Lance, but they won't let me. That's what they do. And it's unanimous. You know something, buddy, I want to relate this to just, please. Can we get away from Lance? Can we get away from Lance? And I can.
obviously you know they're full of shit. But what I'm saying is when they would not allow Marianne Williamson okay, or RF, you know, let me, let yeah. me make the final point yeah. though about this other guy or Robert F. Ke- uh, fucking Kennedy. Do you realize that his grandfather recreated, he created after the new deal, the combination of essentially identity politics. Let's do stuff that seems like a health black. Let's do civil rights, but we're still going to be anti-communist warmongers, right. war machine. And we're not going to really do anything about the institutional problems of racism. Ken- John Joseph Kennedy. It wasn't just JFK came out of, And the establishment Democrats, they, even though they were FDR New Dealers, they knew they were going to pivot back to corporate. That's that's that. so RFK Jr. He is the Democratic Party. He bleeds Democratic blue. Okay, they wouldn't let him speak on CNN because he was going against the party. They wouldn't let Marianne Williamson. Like, how dangerous is she? She's not even close to where Bernie Sanders was, who they also block. But guess who gets to go on the show? Who's this Dean Phillips guy? Dean Phillips says, "I am changing Joe Biden in a primary." Why is Dean right. Phillips allowed to talk? Because he's not a threat. The other two are a threat. So if you so wait, let me just make the final quick point. Therefore, what I realized after it took me a year. It took me a year of Mia Culpas. I was because my uncle was dying. I was stressed out, staying up all night, taking care of him. It was bad, and my my behavior reflected it. No, no question. But that's not who I am. But everybody else gets to have a bad day, bad week. Oh my God, the trauma! We're going to work with you, but not Lance. We're just going to immediately just hate him. So here's my point. Do, do you see the point now? Again, to make the broader point. But this is about the broader point. Really, 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 really quickly. Really, really, really quickly, Joe. The point is, is that CNN, CNN knew if we get feckless Democrats to go ahead on here, we cannot allow one single voice. Do you realize how their their paradigm? before was shout show right remember when john stewart laughed about get a right winger and a left winger to attack each other let's get both crowd now they silo they let one voice in if they let one rfk segment or one marianne williamson segment and say oh my god this is democrats attacking democrats we can let all the conservatives we want attack or feckless democrat backbenchers that aren't going anywhere and they're pretty establishment themselves we'll let them go into a primary with joe and then then you know what they did to phillips they said no we're not going to have a primary in florida goodbye so it's the unanimity this is my point this isn't 20 individuals blocking me this is group think I think it's about universal, unanimous, people heard. Man, let's let's talk. Let's talk. More. I'm going to so, shut up now, but let's I, talk at length about this. Let's have a room where we talk and debate this because I'm right. If you want my actual no, opinion, I think fuck. Right. I mean, in the in the next fortnight, you know, let's let's do this. Let's really do this because you're one of the few people who will at least take a point okay, sure. and not um, like say, "Oh my I'm god, I have to attack this guy because I disagree with him." You have balls, okay? So let's do this in the next week or two. Look, I listen. I have a debate coming up with John. He's a Republican. I'm going to hang up and I appreciate, you know, the, right, right. By the way, you're also going to find that your buddy Brady, I mean, your buddy Peter, he heard about my debate thing. So now guess what, guess what Peter's doing? Just coincidentally, I'm sure, I'm sure. Hey guys, we're going to have robust debate. Send me a a message about the abortion room just when, when you're going to have it or when the date's supposed to be. Uh, I do have to, I, I, I,
I demand with as much of you as you've been speaking and uh, I demand that you listen to the joke that Brady, that, that Brady, but that Derek told though, I demand that you listen. And it is uh, okay. It goes like this. Uh, do the people in Gaza know about what is being done to Lance? <laughs> now you have to, if I have any faith in you left, buddy, you have to find that funny. That is funny. It's because the show was about me talking about the people in Gaza and stuff like that. Goes off topic. The the, 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 the second he gets into a room, he is not. He is not the guy that I'm looking for. You know, humor about this stuff when he's the worst. He's the worst. Like I said, man, I could take a lot worse, believe me. But no, honestly and truly, I just don't find it funny. I laugh at jokes at my expense all the time. No, I think it's a low, I think it's just a low IQ. What is being done to Lance? Come on, that's fucking funny. Come on, Lance. Come on, baby. Come with me here. It's funny. Okay, okay. You know why? You know why? Because because whenever somebody has a show like Bree or anybody they have a show, tonight's topic, Palestine, it goes off onto a million topics. The idea that I'm doing something slightly different than every other room ever, that's why it's not a joke, because it's just a, it's just the way every room works. I don't think a lot of those. Really I don't care what the topic is. Oh, by the way, by the way, by the way, fucking Marco blocked me and said, I don't want to hear about your beats about being blocked. Asshole, Derek blocked me, Vlad. Isn't he an asshole? So that's what I mean. The hypocrisy oozes too much. To, and I don't care who said it. It's not really that funny because every subject gets way off topic. It goes to personal stuff. So I find his. Okay, well, I I I think it's funny, but thank you, Lance. Uh, I'm gonna take this last caller. Uh, boy, have we gotten off topic? But I, I uh, it is what it is, baby. <laughs> uh, and then I gotta go. This is supposed to be a short episode. I'm actually. Hey Biden, how are you doing? I'm not I think okay. I'm all right. Cool. That's what's up. Good. What's on your mind? Well, I mean, I I was tolerating as much of the debate as I could, and decided to see what was going on with you. But what what were you up to in your Gaza discussion today? Because the debate was really disgusting about the Gaza topic. Uh, there was presidential. Oh, fuck. yeah, I the fourth Republican president. Oh, disgusting. Yeah, they're, they're, look, they're not going to have anything worthwhile to say. They they all. Uh, want the either the APAC money, but they're they're people who believe in like an imperialist destructive system uh, where uh, fucking Ted Cruz has already come out and said, you know, 
nothing, I don't condemn anything Israel's done. They're all in that same boat. They're all there to suck up the sweet, fucked up juices of, of imperialism and slurp them down good. Uh, they're idiots. They're dumb. I hate them. And uh, fuck them. Fuck them all to death. And, you know, the, the, the thing I'll say about what we were discussing here, uh, I'll release the episode and, and uh, it's probably easier to go back and, and listen to, to everything that was being said. But honestly, you can guess it. What's going on over there is disgusting. Uh, we talked about kind of why authoritarian, like outright authoritarian rhetoric and authoritarianism is coming out more. And I would argue based on uh, what better people than me have argued, uh, including primarily George Jackson uh, in his book, Blood in My Eye, but that the the more outright, more explicit uh, demonstrations of uh, imperialist, imperialism and uh, authoritarian rhetoric and authoritarian actions are actually showing the weakness of the system, the weakness of the uh, power structure as it is and showing that they're vulnerable. Uh, because well, that's what isn't it, fascism and power and insecure does. Isn't it horrific and horrible that history has to be the judge of this while people are constantly dying? Isn't yeah. isn't that the worst thing possible that history has to be the judge when when the judge should be Stop doing this shit. War is bad. Killing people is bad. Yeah, I think uh, I think, I think we should be the judge. Yeah, we should be the judge, like now. You know, like uh, let history write. If we lose, let history write whatever they want about us. Let they say I had a stinky butthole and that I was dumb. Uh, let them say that uh, uh, Derek's joke was not funny, and let them say that uh, Lance was never shadow banned. They could, they could write all of that shit. Um, but I think we have the capacity to judge what's going on right now pretty easily. And uh, anyone in the world with who still has heart left in them would think that it's okay that these children are being fucking murdered straight up. Uh, also Brady, I, I gotta be honest, you cannot dunk on Derek <laughs> as far as the jokes. So <laughs> in my opinion, but you know, it, it is what it is. Um, but that's kind of what we talked about, Maria. All right. I, I, I get it. I, I do. And just super quickly, I, I can't. I really don't have much to you please don't who cares it's fine <laughs> like you I, don't need to say anything about I them. have some have fondness for no I, yeah. I have some fondness for Me both too. their Me characters I, yeah. I just I just think that they place Colin as a higher level importance in their day-to-day lives than the rest of us and focus on it too much more than is as healthy for them. Um,
not going to try to qualify that. I think, yeah. <laughs> Let me just say yes. <laughs> and I well, will... Uh, some more than others. Sure. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think uh, none of this is really that real, but it's, uh, you know, it's easy. You never know what people are doing with. You never know what's going on. I mean, like, I think, especially back in the day of Colin, I do think there were a lot of people here who kind of had a found family kind of element to it. Uh, relationships, but they, they friendships were reinformed. People were kind of getting to know each other and, you know, people who were either driving or doing stuff or whatever all day, they had like people to talk to and people who kind of got them. I mean, I remember some of the earlier days of Colin, um, man, I mean, I remember the first time I spoke with Derek too, and he, uh, thought me and Andrew were like, fucking terrorists or something. <laughs> he thought we were some kind of like leftist lib, uh, like liberal, dumb motherfucker. But like, as you uh, continue to talk to each other and people just kind of. Our situation as, as, or on our politics as, you know, would make sense because a lot of people are in similar situations, you know? Um, emphasize kind of class politics, even though, um, well, at least until recently, uh, that's another thing. I'm, I'm no longer working at a, a law firm. Uh, in fact, I'm looking for the next position, but you know, even though I think comparatively, I, I have been, uh, more upper middle class. I mean, if you work for a living, you work for a living and there's a lot of bullshit that comes with it. And your relationship with power is still very similar. So I think, um, what am I trying to say? What well, I, I guess um, one of the reasons why I care so much becoming more of how most of my political analysis is filtered through that right now is because I think it's a really useful way to understanding power and understanding your relationship with power. Um, I really think class that politics should be everything. I think it's pretty it, much everything. class politics should be ninety nine percent of every American citizen's concern. Yeah, right. I think so, and I think I think solidarity yeah. politics and and politics understanding your relationship to power and what power wants, uh, at least the current power structure, what its aims actually are. I think is, I just think that that doesn't really change. Um, doesn't really change. And it, it kind of makes us realize that a lot of the stuff we either talk about amongst ourselves or, or, or uh, a lot of the stuff that we thought in solidarity are actually kind of collective thoughts that we all have and share. And I think that's kind of a reflection of the material conditions that we're actually under. Um, so, yeah. I, I, you know, I think, I don't know. I think that's it. I think that's pretty good. I, I had no idea I was going to go for this long tonight. This was supposed to be an hour episode too. Um, but be back uh, this week and I'll be back next week to hopefully talk about 
something if I'm, you know, if I feel like I have something worth talking about. And uh, always appreciate you and everyone else. Uh, I look for as long as this lasts, this calling shit. I'm glad that I've done it, and I'm glad I found you guys. I'm glad you guys found each other too. So whatever ends up happening with this, don't like keep the same fucking energy. Like don't don't let this shit uh like die like even if the app dies uh i think every person in this room and everyone that a lot of the people i've interacted with on this app are capable of contributing to something greater and a a, a better future for for all of us um so you know keep that keep that same energy Cool. Left her speechless. That's what I do, boys. No, you I leave didn't. her speechless. <laughs> All right. Let me. Let me. I, I think that's a good place to end, don't you, Maria? Or how you feel? No, no, no. I I appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate your you calling in and coming. So. Of the. I watched, I don't know, I watched about three quarters of it. Maybe I'll go That's- back and watch it and talk about it. But honestly, I those guys are fucking idiots. Like, at a certain point, uh, like, I love a good carnival. I love a good dog and pony show. But damn, it's just like, it's just like watching the same dogs fuck each other over and over again. Like, I hate to be crude I, with it, but like, what in the I world? I don't know. It's like... It's like Chris Christie and Nikki Haley versus Vivek. We went after Nikki Haley for her corruption. Chris Christie got mostly ignored. And and Vivek, you know, went on and on about how identity politics are just a distraction from what's really going on. There, there were some valid discussions going on that, but I, I, I don't think that's what people actually heard. I I think they only heard what they wanted to hear. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think, kind of says in the in the the uh chat uh there's probably some value to knowing how they're selling their bullshit but every one of them is selling bullshit i think you know maybe maybe it's still useful to to talk about it maybe i'll do an episode about because everything i've been talking about now has been gaza but really that's the only thing that i mean that's been the biggest fucking thing that's been going on in a large large way for the past two months but um you know it is maybe I'll, I'll do an episode or something about it just to, because some people, you know, you got to meet people where they're at. And to some people, it's very obvious that it's all bullshit, but you got to remember that not everyone knows how, what they're saying is just complete trash. It has, it's how, how all of them, every single one of them up there uh, cannot wait to uh, give corporations more and more power over your life and to make the wealthy even more wealthy to take more wealth from you and 
uh, give it to uh, Elon Musk and the rest of them. And that's yeah. that's the most important factor here because you have to understand how what, you know what these motherfuckers actually think of you and what they actually what their agenda actually is is well who are they willing to empower versus disempower and they can talk all this shit about identity politics they can talk all this shit about fucking trans swimmers and all this other dumb shit which we can talk like it's not dumb to everybody and there's a you know those issues are material to people who are the most uh ostracized and 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 vulnerable in society but they're talking about those things simply to distract you most of the time from the fact that they're both going to fuck you. As soon as they get into office, they're both going to fuck you uh, in the same way because they serve the well, same master. Because they're, they're exactly, you know, that's what it is. So and anybody you, can say anything during a campaign. Yeah. But they, 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 if you watch if you watch any of the debate, just watch the opening questions because basically okay. the opening questions for each four was like, everybody thinks you're full of shit for this, this, and this reason. Tell me why that's not true. And that was the opening question for each four of the candidates. It was kind of... Maybe I'll, I'll take a look at it. Um... Honestly, I'd rather play Pokemon. <laughs> so I'm probably going to do All that. All right. Well, we'll certainly <laughs> not tonight, but if yeah. you watch any of it, just watch the opening question segment. Yeah, sure. Because the I'll, opening I'll, questions I'll for each candidate, not to be redundant, were like, this is why everybody thinks you're full of shit and can't win. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Great, I'll do that. Thank you for calling in, Maria. I uh, appreciate it. I'm gonna go eat dinner and uh, apologize to my girlfriend for Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, take care. Okay. Um, so, uh, I won't do a recap. You, we, we know what's going on. If you've made it this far in the episode, uh, you got all the meat out of it, all the all the juice in the beginning. We had some other stuff happening in the middle, and uh, you know, if you got a whole day to listen, go for it. Uh, there's already a lot of stuff to listen to, and a lot of people to follow, and people who are more worthwhile to follow than me and and listen to, and way way more informed. So I would, you know, always defer to them. But um, I guess the last thing I'll say, uh, besides like. Will you guys promise to uh, all write my girlfriend an apology note? Uh, <laughs> because I'm destroying my relationship by being on this fucking podcast <laughs> with a lot of people. <laughs> but but um, aside from that, um, you know, uh, the devastation that you're seeing is a reflection of a a... a a lot of things, but a, a reflection of a, a, a grip on power that is slipping. Do not close your eyes to it. Do not. If you need to disengage for a little bit, I understand. But don't fucking disengage entirely because P 
people who are going through what is amounting to a genocide now cannot disengage. Uh, you should feel that tension. You should feel work. Uh, uh, if it's protest, hell, if it's fucking Twitter activism, just do it. Uh, because the more authoritarian uh, acts that we're seeing out of our governments and out of Israel are not a reflection of strength as much as they are of a reflection of uh, losing that strength. It is a, uh, remember, uh, goes back to George Jackson. If there's anything you remember from this, uh, George Jackson, read Blood in My Eye. Read the chapter on fascism, the chapters. But, you know, there's fascism that exists when it is securely in power, where it doesn't have to take all that, uh, uh, all of those crazy, uh, more authoritarian, uh, explicitly authoritarian actions because it's in power. It can allow dissent because it's in power. It, it, it's firmly in power. It doesn't care if Noam Chomsky or someone's out here speaking, spitting facts because it's going to do what it's going to do because they have complete power. Once you start seeing them be like, we have to outlaw social media, we have to outlaw your ability to say, uh, to be anti-Zionist by equating it with anti-Semitism, we have to beat up our own Jewish brothers and sisters in the streets because they call for a ceasefire, as Israel is doing. That is a fascist government that is not securely in power. That is a reflection of them losing their grip on power. It's showing weakness. At least, why are we seeing this rise in sort of authoritarian, like outright authoritarianism in propaganda that is explicitly just lies that you can't even, no reasonable person would believe? Well, it's a test. It's a test to see if they can force you into submission. The same test that they're putting the Palestinians through right now. They are going to bomb them into submission. They are going to put their fucking foot on their neck until they choke them out one by one for as long as it takes. Um, unless uh, we kind of get to them first. And there are multiple ways to get to them. I will say, uh, protesting and, and, and uh, you know, Twitter fingers, it's better than nothing. But funding... Uh, aid to Palestine, uh, withholding labor, withholding your participation in society. Look, we're, we're, uh, these are things that actually have an effect and do not let the Palestinians suffer this with, uh, in, in silence, uh, be as loud as possible and make this uh, sort of authoritarian regime, these authoritarian regimes, make them put up or shut up. And if they want to escalate shit, well, uh, don't start no shit. There won't be no shit. Uh, and 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 make of that what you will. I said nothing. Uh, 
And yeah, boycott businesses owned by Republicans and Democrats. Why not? Okay, y'all. That's it for me. Um, I expect your apology notes to my girlfriend uh, by 10 p.m. tomorrow. So get on it. Okay. Until next time. Take care.